0: It's time softball has returned, and so too has the Out of the Box podcast. It is the season five premiere ahead of the 2023 college softball season. We have been waiting much longer than normal from the last game Alabama played to the first game the following season, and there is so much to discuss tonight here on this episode. I'm Gray Robertson, back yet again with my exuberant, excited friend, broadcast partner, podcast
1: partner, Tom Canterbury sitting to my right. Tom, how are you? Good. Very excited. I feel as though it's been roughly 125 years since we played a softball game, so I'm ready to see the Crimson Tide and the rest of college softball get on the field. I don't even
0: remember what a softball looks like, (laughs) so we'll see how this first weekend goes broadcast-wise. Tom, you know we're going to go through the trip around the bases in just a minute. This is a year that i think you know is going to draw a lot of interesting conversation there's the talk about oklahoma can they three pete who's going to be the challenger that goes after them i think you know we're going to discuss this much throughout this episode this might be the most wide open the sec has been maybe ever Uh, this is going to be a fascinating season of softball
1: it really is yeah i i agree that i think the sec is wide open i think the rest of the country is wide open outside of oklahoma yeah i think oklahoma is you know by far the consensus and the, the number one team that's what everyone's going to be going after uh, the question will be will they be able to. Uh, sustain that excellence throughout this entire year, they certainly have the roster to be able to do it, uh, but that will be the question is will somebody be able to rise up and challenge Oklahoma but outside of that it is really wide open the conference the SEC, especially you could make the argument. Yeah, Jenny Dalton Hill may be mad at me, but you can make the <laughs> argument. I think for legitimately 8 to 9 teams to win the thing. Yeah. When you know going through and we're going to do our our predictions 1 through 13, I I feel bad putting teams at like 11 and 12 because they're better than that. But you can only have so many teams kind of like going to be when we talk about the starting lineup for Alabama. There's more than 9 starting players on this team. There are more options right.
0: than available
1: spots. Exactly. So you're, you're, you're really stuck in trying to predict the thing because I think all 13 teams in this conference could make the NCAA tournament. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be really quality softball teams, whether there's going to be that one team that's going to have the opportunity to try to take out Oklahoma is going to be the question. You know what all that just
0: sounded like to me? Content. Yes. What a year it will be on the Out of the Box podcast. The, the content grill is sizzling. Yes. Fire up those hot takes. <laughs> what will we say this year Ooh. that gets us in trouble? Who knows? <laughs> Who's going to Who? be mad at us? Oh, a lot of people. Firing it off. <laughs> Two minutes in. Of course, some housekeeping. Follow the show on Twitter at Out of the Box underscore pod or on Instagram. Leave a review, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Here's your trip around the bases for the season five premiere. This is our 57th in-season episode, our 98th overall. More on that in a minute. Wow. We will start at the plate and talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide. What does Team 27 look like? And how different will Team 27 look like week to week? Will we see a different lineup all opening weekend? Who's going to cement a spot to start in Clearwater? We'll discuss it all. Then we will advance to first and break down the sec yes we have that preseason coaches poll i want to address some of the quote unquote disrespect comments from alabama fans because i think actually when you look at the math i think actually alabama got a lot of respect from the coaches just the math didn't work out in their favor we'll look at the sec all preseason team we'll break down all the teams in the conference we've got fgcl all preseason team so a ton to do there then we will steal second with our friend jen schroeder to talk about literally everything (laughs) everything is on the table we will discuss it all then we will round third and it's petech's point of view emily petech
1: is back five years of the pod five premieres with emily petech clifford and once again i'm sure the discussion will hinge on the performance in the cakewalk musical chairs at trivia night a lot of talk by emily since this podcast started
0: not a Mm. lot of results in the cakewalk Mm. will we burn that bridge tonight who knows you fell a little short did you <laughs> finally we will head home and this is where the controversy comes right we've got landmine or gold mine
1: I, I i really excited that in our breakdown that, that you made for both of us uh, that you went back to last year's Landmine and mine, and just talked about how wrong I was about everything.
0: I was wrong on all three. You at least got one kind of kind right. Of,
1: kind of. So yes. 0.5 out
0: of three for Tom. <laughs> then we will do our SEC preseason poll, which will be averaged out and released on Twitter for the out of the box poll. We've got off the wall and a Super Bowl pick as
1: well. How, how do we have it off the wall? The season hasn't started yet. You ask as if it's never happened before (laughs) and yet yes here
0: we are here we are some more housekeeping things coming up this year we've got out of the box on the road we're going to do a show in knoxville hopefully with our friend brian rice tbd depends on what tennessee women's basketball is doing columbia missouri and then maybe clearwater Uh, my schedule is going to be kind of packed with some work with d1 softball as well as all the Alabama games that we've got. So we'll see how that all plays out. We're not exactly staying near the field.
1: Who knows? Although, you know, the fact that you're doing stuff with D1 softball gives us some, you know, built-in guests that we might be able to have. That's true. I'm just going to be like, hey, Patty, do you want to wait another day and hop on
0: another podcast? (laughs) Well, I was thinking Tara or those other people. (laughs) Well, Tara is going to be a regular Sure, That's not a surprise. Out of the box going home. Twitter space is after big games. That'll be announced a couple days before. I've got a few pinpointed. Very rarely will that be a road game because we might be on the team bus going to the stadium and I don't think Coach Murphy will approve of us being late to the bus because we're on a Twitter space. Or, or you know, hotel security. That happened as well. Right, yes. The 100th episode spectacular. One hundred. Audio that. episodes of Gray and Tom talking about <laughs> softball. <laughs> Usually softball. There's some other things that yeah, come in. And food. Right I've got some stuff planned. Okay. So stay tuned for that. That'll be the week after Clearwater. So that's going to be a packed episode anyway, if it weren't the 100th. That's true. Yes. Hopefully a lot of positives. <laughs> that's the plan. If you want any more information about the SEC teams, go check out Softball Media Days. We've got all those interviews. Plus, of course, our conversation with our dear friend Stephanie Van Prothrow throw from memphis all right tom all of that's out of the way yes and remember folks that won't change this year maybe the dates on the road you know we'll we'll keep you updated but now it's time to truly get to the heart of the matter at the plate talking about alabama talking about team 27 as usual we will start with a roster go over and we start with the departures and again it's a long list last couple years we've seen lengthy lists of names here because of graduation this year it was mostly because of the transfer portal abby door dallas goodnight jenna lord kaylee tau savannah woodard megan bloodworth lexi kilfoyle not much else for us to add to that list although i will point out kaylee tau is not going far because tom she is my tv partner on
1: sec network plus this weekend very excited for that although it just means you and and tau will be having fun on the other side of the glass and i'll be hanging out by myself but okay You act like it's such a great distance. (laughs) It is maybe an inch of glass.
0: (laughs) Although when we put those papers up, it might as well be the Great Wall of China. (laughs) The current roster, familiar faces, new additions, the seniors and grads. You've got the people in their final year of eligibility, Montana Fouts, Faith Hensley, the Ball State transfer, Ashley Prangy, who wrote a phenomenal article on the Tide Tribune that came out today as we're recording. I highly suggest you go check that out at RollTide.com. Allie Shipman, Jenna Johnson, and Lauren Esman, FGCL. So those are the seniors and grads who are going to be providing the leadership on Team 27.
1: Right, and then you look at the, you know, the real core, the core four that have been here. Uh, that I think are going to be really providing both leadership both on and off the field uh, of Fouts, Prangy, Shipman, and Johnson. I think they're going to be extremely important with so many new new faces that we're going to talk about here in just a moment, um, that they're going to have to show that leadership and kind of bring everybody together and help the team gel, which, you know, you and I have talked about it and our, and our friend, the SID extraordinaire Nathan Sheen has talked about it. Just the vibe around the team right now is outstanding. The vibes are immaculate. Yes, yes, they are. Uh, And I think that's a big reason why.
0: Yeah, I think a big part of it is, you know, they have really welcomed all the new faces. They had to. There were going to be a ton of new people on this team this year. Uh, Faith has blended in beautifully. Lauren has as high of an approval rating of any player amongst her teammates as I've ever seen. And I'm really excited to talk about Lauren in just a bit because there's still some doubt out there and I don't quite get it. The junior class, McKay Gibley, Bailey Dowling, Emma Broadfoot, the North Alabama transfer, Jayla Torrance, KJ Haney, and Kat Grill, and... The name that jumps off there of course is Bailey Dowling who is still trying to get back to where she looked like she could be at the beginning of her freshman year last year the flashers were certainly there although a 2.67 overall batting average probably a little bit lower than everyone had anticipated this is a great chance for Bailey Dowling to step up and have a phenomenal offensive year for the Tide
1: I think it really is and it's uh, you know the the key word for her is going to be consistency being able to not just have those flashes to be able to do it game in and game out just keep the keep the offers to a minimum i mean she she comes through in so many big spots uh but she's going to be in a lineup where she's not going to be asked to be the lone rbi producer right uh so there's going to be opportunities where she needs to be the one getting on base for the rbi producer docker in things like that that's going to be what her job is going to be to do
0: also, very excited in just a bit to talk about Emma Broadfoot. What a pleasant surprise she has blossomed into in the last couple scrimmages. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. The sophomore class, Aubrey Barnhart, is back, as is Callie Hevlin, Jordan Stevens, and also, I guess I could have included her with the juniors, red shirt sophomore Alex Salter. A, a couple really nice surprises on this list. I think Alex Salter looked much better as the spring went on she kind of got off to a rough start once everybody came back from the holiday break but the last couple scrimmages she's looked pretty good jordan stevens has been a real revelation offensively and callie hevlin is a person that i think we're going to be talking about for if not all the majority of the season as the anchor of
1: the infield for alabama looking at all these names basically in the sophomore class it kind of brings to mind what I was saying earlier is there's more than nine, you know, starter worthy players on this team and and these are some of the four names that are really going to be fighting to get in that lineup and will have to probably come through in situations when given given the opportunity to make it difficult for Patrick Murphy to take them out of the lineup. We've talked about it with George Stevens specifically so much that you know she's had great falls and she's she's had really good spring she's had she's put up the numbers in those situations but it's it's just hard to crack that lineup. there's not a ton of real estate in the outfield oh, right goodness now. yeah and you you love her you love her attitude you love what she can bring to the table it's just can she get in that lineup and stay in it once she gets there it's a
0: fascinating story and again we'll talk about what opening weekend could entail for this lineup and for this team in just a bit Patrick Murphy's already said it on hey coach he's going to do everything in his power to make sure everybody gets at least one at bat. And I assume we will see four completely different starting lineups on opening weekend. Those lineups could include a lot of freshmen. Yes. I wouldn't be shocked if almost everyone gets at least one start. That could happen. Yeah. Uh, that could happen. I think you've got a couple health things here and there that right. might prevent a couple people, but look, you could see 13 different people start this weekend. Absolutely. It's possible. The freshman class is Kristen white, Abby Dukeshire, Sure. Duke. Sure. Everyone, duke, duke Sure, The Duke. Yeah, you can call her Duke. Um, I already answered a couple questions on Facebook about how to pronounce her name. We'll get to
1: pronunciations in just a second as well. Uh, d- shockingly, don't come to me for those. <laughs> I know I get paid to you know talk on the radio and, and pronounce things correctly. Not so good at the talking sometimes. Eh, well, me? we all have our strengths. <laughs> Larissa Pruitt, Marley
0: Giles, and the oft-rumored-about and-now-here player Kinley Cahalen not Callahan. Don't say Callahan. Kinley Kahalen. Who could be the, the biggest name out of this whole situation? The hype is real. The number one overall recruit in the 2023 class. She reclassified to be a part of Team 27. Patrick Murphy has used the phrase in a lot of his interviews. We're really lucky to have her this year because of just the pop that she adds. We've seen her in how many scrimmages and practices, Tom? It's impressive.
1: Oh, yeah. The, if you didn't know that she was I don't know if you knew this, Grace. She's only 17 years old. If Get if, ready for that right. drop all year long. If you didn't know that she was 17, you would think that she might be a junior or senior when she's coming up there. Just the way that she looks at the plate, uh, just the confidence that she's out there uh, with, and obviously the overall ability that she has. She's already been the answer to a trivia question at Trivia Night, which was she's the first 31 in the history of Alabama softball, and I can see a situation where she makes the impact on Alabama softball that Alabama football's number 31 Will Anderson made Ooh, on the football program. How long have you been cooking up that I, I, comparison? I, I've been ready for it. Wow. Yes.
0: Things you get on the Out of the Box <laughs> podcast. Are you ready for the next bullet point? Not really, but all right. Possible lineups. Mm. I, I again want to really pinpoint that I'm not quite sure what starting lineup means for opening weekend because we just talked about it we think a lot of people are going to cycle in yeah the spots in the order are going to shift we're going to see Patrick Murphy tinker and toy with this offense and this lineup and try and get them to a point where they can be super successful next weekend at Clearwater because that's a huge test that's going to matter a ton for Alabama's tournament resume but we're going to give it our best shot uh, I've written down what I'm gonna do what
1: I would do and Tom you can comment on anything are we doing what we think Patrick Murphy is going to do or are we doing what we would do if we were in Patrick Murphy's suit? I've um, written what I would do
0: okay you can bounce off of that however you want sounds good That's okay the wonderful part of partnership That's what we do right? five years together <laughs> yes <laughs> all right so the first part is the leadoff, mm. which was an issue last year. Alabama had like even when things were going well, a leadoff problem where you had people who were hitting well at every other part of the order struggling right. at the top. So I I look at this lineup and I go through the checklist of what Patrick Murphy wants, and really it starts with who's going to get on at least half the time. Right to me, there are a couple nominees there. You've got Ashley Prangy, you've got Larissa Pruitt, and you've got Kim Lee Cahalen. I think that's a possibility. I put Larissa Pruitt because she's got the ability to play the small ball, but also showed a lot of power in the fall ball games and in the scrimmages. So I had Larissa Pruitt leading off in center field.
1: She is the most prototypical leadoff batter in the lineup. Maybe I'm old fashioned. Right. No, but sure. The question is, does she get on base half the time? Like you said, you know, it's great if you're the fastest player on the team, but if you're not on base, you're not helping anybody out, which is what we saw last year, unfortunately. Um, I think Larissa Brute would be a great way to go to start things off. I agree. Cahalen could definitely be a leadoff batter. I think she will lead off at least one of the games this weekend. Probably. Could see Prangy lead off at some yes. point too. Because at some point, it's not even necessarily you got to have the fastest person lead off. The fastest person can hit eight or ninth and be on base a lot of the time for the lineup to turn over. So, you know, it's only the only time that you're guaranteed to lead off is at the beginning of the game. Right. The number one spot. So I could see Pruitt hitting eight or nine, if not necessarily one, uh, in those situations where it could be your Kahalen.
0: A big part of why I also had Pruitt in the leadoff spot is because I have lined up your power bats in a big old row right after her. Okay. I've got Kinley Kahalen batting second, playing second. Batting third, playing third, Ashley Prangy. Batting fourth and catching is Allie Shipman. I think a conversation we need to have as well, Tom. Batting fifth, I've got Bailey Dowling at DP. We have seen her play in the field pretty much her entire career. Uh, this is not a knock on Bailey. There are reasons why, you know this this is the situation, and it's not her fault. You know, it's a bad injury that she had a couple seasons ago. But I think that. As I put this lineup together, Bailey fit the best at DP, and I love that four in a row because they can all protect each other, right. and they've all got pop in their swings.
1: 100%. I, I agree with that. The, the thing with Dowling is it's not like if she's DP to start things off that you know we throw away her glove and she never right. plays shortstop. She'll probably play in the field right. opening weekend. But we definitely saw at times last year when she was the everyday shortstop for Alabama with the, with the knee injury that she'd had the year before, there was just a little bit of loss of range and movement. Uh, she still made some really tremendous plays. Oh, yeah. Uh, the but, washing machine spin and throws. Oh, man. Oh, still it, great. Absolutely. And and she can still do that. But if you have people that can play the infield at the level that Callie Hevlin and Kinley Kahalen can, you, and you can still use their bat in the lineup, there's no reason to force Bailey Dowling into that spot right? when she can still help you out as a DP. Uh, so I, I agree with that. I, I think that's the best overall possibility. Back
0: half, I've got Jenna Johnson in left field, batting in the sixth spot. The seventh spot, Emma Broadfoot really burst onto the scene the last couple scrimmages. Some big old bombs. She's been swinging a nice bat. I've got her over at first base. I'm not sure I would have had her in two weeks ago. She has earned that spot. In the eighth spot, I've got Callie Hevlin over at short. I, I really hope that that people get to see how strong she is in the field because she she's looked great in the fall and in the spring. And batting ninth, I've got Faith Hensley out and right. I do expect to see a good bit of White, Stevens, Dukeshire, Barnhart, and like we talked about earlier, pretty much everybody opening right. weekend as Patrick Murphy tries to figure
1: out what this team will be going forward. And in particular, with Clearwater on the horizon, yeah, you gotta you gotta find what your best possible lineup is for some of the competition you're gonna be facing in a couple weeks in clear water. Uh, this is the time to do it with Lehigh and Georgia Southern coming into Tuscaloosa. I I I really like that lineup in general. I agree I'd I'd love to see Aubrey Barnhart get some a, a really good shot at playing first base and, and getting this lineup. I'd love to see what Duke can do. And like we talked about just a little while ago, gosh, we got to find a way to get Jordan Stevens at the lineup. We really do. <laughs> Another wild
0: card in this whole conversation, Lauren Essman can also play first base, and right. she's been hitting pretty well in the scrimmages too. So she's going to bat at some point this weekend, and she might play in the field.
1: Right. And then that also brings in a situation on the times when she's pitching. If right. you also have a DP, that, that means that somebody will play in the field that isn't batting. So that there's that. that can help you out. Uh, I think probably later on, if someone is struggling, but you really want to have their glove in the lineup, uh, you can move some people around and do it that way. I just
0: I need a Tylenol. Thinking about yeah. all the oh yeah, there's a lot of different ways we can go. With lineup it. gymnastics mm-hmm. will be what we're doing up in the press box. But Lauren Esmond is not here to play first. She's here to pitch. Tom, I know she's a lefty pitcher that can spin a damn good curveball in there, a running away from the lefties and inside to the righties. It's a filthy pitch. And right now she seems poised, at least at this point, to be the number two behind Montana Fouts. Alex Salter is a gamer, and you know that when she goes out there, she's going to fight. And then Jayla Torrance has all the ability in the world. It's just all about putting it together when she gets her
1: chances to throw. I think it's a great situation for all four of the pitchers with Lauren Essman coming in, if she has, which I agree with you, I think she has established herself as the number two in this rotation, that now you've put it for Salter and Torrance to where they can be situational pitchers. They mm-hmm. can, you know, they're they're going to get some good midweek starts. Like, I think you'll see all four pitchers get a start this weekend, but they're going to be able to come in in big spots and maybe only be asked to get one or two outs, which is something that we haven't really seen Coach Murphy be able to do a whole lot at Alabama. It, you know, you've, you've had people that have had um, their, Slots and their positions set at times and then, you know, an injury or happen or, you know, there'll be things will happen to where you don't really have them coming in in those spots. Yeah, I think now you're going to be able to solidify what everybody's role is a little bit better with these four if they continue to progress to the way that they are right now yeah Lance
0: McMahon is doing really good stuff with this group and it's been fun to watch them get better Lauren is a pitcher that I've talked about umpteen amount of times on this show mm-hmm. uh, I've seen her throw more than maybe anybody in the country I I'm not trying to brag like I've I've been there in Florida she's developed some weapons she was a L-
1: of the league
0: yeah Pitch- By the Pitch- way, pitcher of the year in the FGCL, last right? Year. Yes, uh, and well deserved. Uh, she's developed some weapons that she didn't really have this summer, and that's a really, really quick turnaround when you think about it. To to fine tune as many pitches as she has fine tuned. The curve has always been good. Now she's got more around it, and I'm just so excited
1: for the world to see her in the circle. And can you imagine there being lineups that will, you know, be fooled by Espen two times through the order, and all of a sudden, here's a Jayla Torrance rise ball.
0: Yeah, and you know what? For fun, Montana fouls. Come on (laughs) in. come on in. Let's get one more
1: out. Yes.
0: Just to have some fun. This weekend, you've got Lehigh and Georgia Southern, a game against each on Friday and on Saturday. And as you said, Tom, uh, I expect to see all four pitchers get a start, perhaps two for Lauren, maybe to get her feet wet ahead of Clearwater, because this weekend, Lauren Essman will be making her first collegiate start in the circle, but all four pitchers should get some work this weekend.
1: Yeah, and, and I think it's it's important to also say that while we have seen, you specifically, have seen so much of Lauren Essman in the FGCL, this is obviously a step up in competition. Yeah. That no one is trying to equate pitching in the FGCL to pitching a, in the ESPN Elite Invitational or in the SEC. There's obviously a step up in competition. She's obviously going to still have to prove that she can pitch at this level because when she was at Michigan, she didn't. She didn't. Yeah, they didn't really give her a chance. Right. So that's so there is still a prove it spot for Lauren Esman here. Now what we've seen in fall ball and what we've seen in, in the spring. I think she definitely has the goods to do it, but she will have to prove it against other competition.
0: Yeah. As we look ahead to the leadoff classic, here's the full schedule. Friday, Lehigh, 3.30, Crimson Tide Sports Network, SEC Network Plus, the Box Boys will be everywhere. Georgia Southern quickly following at 6 Central Time. Saturday, Betide takes on Georgia Southern at 1.30 and Lehigh at 4. We did an early breakdown of the schedule, Tom, a couple episodes back, either at the end of Media Days, I believe, or maybe on one of the out-of-the-box offices. But is there anything
1: in particular you want to highlight once again before we put it in play? I think it's important these are not, you know, the marquee names that you sometimes see Alabama play in the first weekend. Obviously, you're not going on the road to start things off. Like Coach Murphy, I think he was on this podcast, or he's talked about it publicly that he likes to go on the road to start things mm. off. You know, this, there's a reason why Alabama hasn't opened up At home since 2010, because, you know, you get not only the weather, but you get a chance to kind of have the team gel and come together and bond when you go on the road. But I think this is a really unique and good opportunity for Alabama to play at home because, you know, it's it's been so long since you've played the game because of the disappointment at the end of last season. So I think it's a this is if you were ever going to do it, this would actually turns out to be the perfect year to open up at home. As long as the weather holds off and 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 stays relatively decent this weekend you know you're going to have all the fan support you know the fans are chomping at the bit to be able to come out and support the team and then you have two teams that coming in you know that doesn't have the marquee names lehigh is the defending patriot league tournament champion and they won a game in regionals last year yeah this is you know they yes they lost some people from that team but this is not you know a scrub coming in uh, Georgia Southern plays in the Sun Belt, which is maybe the best non-power five league in the nation. Yeah. So th- these are two teams that Alabama's going to have to play well to defeat, and it's a good chance to kind of, as we talked about, have a bunch of different lineups. Let all let all the four pitchers come out. Let everybody see all the new players here at Alabama before they go on the road to Clearwater. As we close this at the plate segment, I just want to make a comparison
0: to 2019. You know, we started this podcast, and that night I recorded the premiere. I felt the same way about that team as I do about this one. I I feel confident in what we have seen, I feel confident in what is there. I feel confident in the team, you know, really thriving on. A lot of people having questions. Uh, the outside world's got a ton of questions about Alabama. We've had a bunch answered to us privately, and that makes me excited. And I'm can't wait for the public answers to come out. But to me, there is a 2019 vibe about this 2023 Alabama softball team. And that makes what could be a special
1: season really exciting. Yeah, I I, I agree that it's, it has a lot of potential This team does and the fact that you have the most recognizable player and you know arguably the best pitcher in the nation on this team as a fifth year senior and no one's talking about it yeah i think that's nothing but good (laughs) I, i am i'm very excited that this team is under the radar to start off with you know alabama could go out And run rule all four games this weekend, and still no one's going to talk about them because of of the competition. And there's going to be other, you know, there are other big games going on this weekend that will get, you know, more more of the coverage, which is fine. Yeah, and we'll talk about those in a bit. Right, but it's going to be, you know, how does this weekend set up for everything coming up next weekend at at the biggest non-conference tournament. In the nation oh i'm excited i know i'm excited yes we just spent so much time talking about one team what say
0: we talk about the other 12 in the sec sure why not it's time to put it in play who are we kinley Kahalen kinley kahalan that's yes. gonna happen a lot yes, this year it is we are kinley Kahalen, we put it in play and it's time to advance the first it's been a long time since i was 17 though oh man it, well kind of same that's almost <laughs> a decade ago for me which wow. makes me feel yeah interesting welcome to it We've got the SEC preview, we've got FGCL, all preseason team, all that and more coming up here on the season five premiere of the Out of the Box podcast. Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast. We've put it in play. It is time to advance to first. Greg Robertson and Tom Canterbury, thank you to Kinley Halen for her services, putting it in play. And
1: now, Tom, we've talked about Alabama. It's time to look at everybody else. All right. Although I don't think this is going to be the last time that we uh, thank Kenley Kahalen this Ooh, year.
0: Very nice. Yes. She was not on the list for the preseason all-SEC team because it's really not a thing. Freshmen no. don't make this. No. Uh, again, She's only 17. That's man. right. Come on. There are songs to be played. <laughs> this is again another year of, yeah, you know, 21 people. Doesn't mm-hmm. really matter what position you play. I saw some people like, oh, I'd take this person off for this person. They're like, well, she's a shortstop. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They, it's twenty-one people. It, it could li- be. It
1: could literally be twenty-one pitchers. It, it literally a, could. Is, yes.
0: Uh, for Alabama, it's, <laughs> which is what Kentucky usually does. <laughs> that is. Thank you for describing Rachel Lawson's <laughs> roster. <laughs> For Alabama, it's Montana Fats and Allie Shipman. We'll get to some of the snubs in, in just a minute. I think a couple other key folks here. Pitching-wise, Shanice Dels from Arkansas, Maddie Penta from Auburn. You've got Allie Kilponen from LSU and Ashley Rogers from Tennessee. I think that that's, that's a pretty good reflection of, of some of the top arms in this conference. And then, you know, the teams with the most, Tennessee had three, LSU had three, Florida and Georgia both had three. Uh, I think that this is, you know, pretty fair. Uh, again, we'll get to the snubs in just a minute, but hard to take anybody off this
1: list. Yeah, that's that's the thing I always say. Like when you're looking at, even if it's something like the NCAA tournament for basketball, when they always talk about, you know, who got who got snubbed, who was on the bubble that should have made it in. Okay, great. Who are you taking out? Yeah. So I I, I agree. I think there were some there were a couple of pretty significant snubs overall, but I'm not sure who you take off
0: yeah let's let's dive into some of the snubs first off i should note uh, but none of the transfers in to any of the schools made this list so i put them on the snub list Mm -hmm. but i'm not even sure if they would have been in the running um so you've got a couple people from arkansas faith hensley from alabama peyton gotshaw from tennessee like there are some names who are who are new to the league Uh, in terms of established people for Alabama, there's a pretty big
1: snub, and it's Ashley Prangy. Who I was gonna say, I I don't think that we live in a world where there are 21 players in the conference better than Ashley Prangy. I, I I mean, I don't. It's an interesting omission.
0: I'm not gonna lie. And she was all SEC a season ago, so it's not like she wasn't right. honored. I she didn't get worse over the off season. No, I promise you, I've seen it. She's fine. Yes. No, Georgia Clark from LSU misses.
1: I'm going to hit a home run every time. Gray and Tom watch me. Right. I don't know what she did all the other times, but I know whenever I watched her have an at bat, something good happened for her. We should again
0: note as well. There are three teams with nobody. Texas A&M South Carolina, probably going to be near the bottom of the league and also Ole Miss. And I was really shocked that Tate Whitley did not make this list. One of the better hitters in the
1: conference a season ago. Yeah, I agree. I thought she was going to make it for sure. Uh, It's it's hard to kind of figure out how the list actually comes into fruition, so uh, I'm not sure if there was what the reasonings are for her not being on the list, but she should have been there.
0: Yeah. And then for Missouri, neither of their top two pitchers got there, which I, I kind of get because Missouri's identity last year was offense. This year it's going to be pitching. So yeah. if Missouri is good, one of those two will be on the postseason all SEC list, you would think. Which is the more important list, by yes, the way. Yes, that's true. <laughs> well, we I will say that. Lots of evidence of that. You've got just like a thousand SEC players on the preseason player of the year watch list i'm not gonna basically you're right yes (laughs) we've also got the coaches poll and this is where we dive into our breakdown of all these teams and what this league is going to look like and here's what the list is as voted by the sec head coaches florida number one tennessee number two arkansas number three alabama number four lsu five georgia six kentucky seven missouri eight auburn nine Ole Miss 10, Mississippi State 11, Texas A&M 12, South Carolina 13. I said earlier I wanted to address the quote-unquote disrespect to Alabama based on that fourth-place ranking. Here's the point differential between Florida, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Alabama. Florida 134, Tennessee 126, Arkansas 122, Alabama 118. Florida got five first-place votes. Tennessee got three. And Arkansas got five first place votes and finished four points ahead of Alabama. Alabama did not get a first place vote. Perhaps some disrespect there. I would understand that. A little bit surprising. Yeah, but at the same time, the way that I see this, you know, A, the coaches have a clear top four. There's a huge gap between Alabama at four and LSU at five points wise. B, I would say Alabama was probably the most consistent of any of these four teams in the coaches poll probably a lot of twos and threes but because they didn't get any first place votes the teams that did just pass them huge variations in these polls for arkansas and tennessee just based on the raw numbers we're looking at
1: yeah i think probably the the most of the the difference is comes to arkansas because i think they got the five first place votes because they've won the league two years in a row sure Uh, But they probably were middle of the pack to lower middle of the pack in some people's polls because they lost so much from last year's team. So it just depends on how much of a benefit of the doubt are you giving Courtney Difel and the Arkansas program. I think should get get a lot of it. Uh, But there may be some that still have not been commenced. Again, it's interesting. I think if we had all the coaches
0: on right now and asked them, where did you have Alabama? I think the majority of them would say three. Three or four. But but yeah. again, because of just the math of it all, Alabama is is fourth. And so if that's some manufactured inspiration because the doubters are out there, mm. fine, go for it. Uh, I don't think that, that the fans who were really upset really have a big reason to, once you actually pull out the calculator and figure out how all these
1: point totals worked. And I think kind of the the, the overall theme of what we've been talking about this whole podcast with Alabama is, it's good. Mm -hmm. It's good that Alabama is a little bit under the radar. It's good that people aren't talking about them. That doesn't mean that they're any less talented, but there may not be quite the stifling pressure on them and the expectations from day one. They're going to grow as the season goes on. And if things go well, which I think they will, um, they're going to start growing. But to start things off, I'm perfectly fine with Alabama being right now sitting at number four
0: works for me Tom. yes I can live with that let's go team by team and start with the first place team the Florida Gators five first place votes they bring back Skylar Wallace she had a phenomenal season last year hit 386 Tom potentially one of the favorites for SEC player of the year you know and I don't think that that's a bold prediction she was so great a season ago and She's going to once again be the leader of this offense with Kendra Falby and Charlotte Eccles right there as well.
1: Yeah, I think she's really kind of blossomed into the player that, that we saw that she could be when she started her career at Alabama. I and mean, she's uh, one of the best, biggest recruits uh, in her class um, and has just improved each year and I think has really kind of settled into what her role is going to be with Tim Walton.
0: Yeah, and that pitching staff as well for Florida, not quite as settled. All right, so you've got Riley Trilichek, that back. is the question mark. Yeah, Elizabeth Hightower is back. Lexi Delbray is back. Uh, Tim Walton said on Shane Matthews' show, she's probably not going to be available for week one. Who knows how long that's going to linger. You know, last year ended the All-American pitching streak for Florida, and they got real hot in the in the postseason. They were pretty meh in the regular season in SEC play, so... I'm intrigued by the unanimous discussion amongst all the top 25 polls and the coaches as well. That has Florida winning the sec.
1: Yeah. Some of that is also kind of like we said with Arkansas. It's a benefit of the doubt factor. Yeah. It's giving to Florida and because they have so much coming back offensively, I think people are, are willing to kind of give a little bit of slack as far as what they have in the pitching circle, knowing that it's probably going to come around
0: Florida. We will not see them this year in the regular season. Oh, we'll see them. We will see them at some point because God has a sense of humor. (laughs) Second place, the Tennessee Lady Vols. They got three first-place votes, which, again, is fascinating. You know, two fewer first-place votes in Arkansas, but still finished four points higher. A Tennessee team that brings back maybe the other preseason player of the year favorite in Kiki Malloy. You've got Ashley Rogers and just a boatload of additions. Mm -hmm. Transfers, freshmen. Karen Weekly's
1: got a lot of new faces in this program this year it's as much turnover as i've ever seen at tennessee that's for sure and the question that we've had with a lot of these other teams that have brought in a lot of people how will they gel and you know because everybody even at this point loves their team lo- lo- loves how everything's coming together right. everything you know we'll see how it happens once they get on the field
0: yeah peyton Gottshaw is the important name here. Can Mm -hmm. she give Ashley Rogers the help that she needs so that she can finally stay healthy? We'll see. And of course, Tom McKenzie, Donna, who in from Oklahoma,
1: of course she's there. And and I thought it it was one of the more insightful and intriguing discussions we had when sec media days, when we talked to Karen weekly was when we were talking, talking with her about Ashley Rogers and how healthy to, is different for what what healthy is for Ashley Rogers is different than what healthy is for other people absolutely I'm still not 100% sure what that meant but it was very intriguing and very in- insightful and we'll see how that that goes on but I think one thing that does show is that she's she is not going to be one that's going to be pitching 36 to 40 innings in, in uh, a weekend yeah they got to have somebody else that can can spell her and if Kutchall if coming in is she going to be able to make the, the jump from the MAC to the SEC, and then what type of, you know, the competition week in and week out that you face, obviously a lot different uh, in this league.
0: Third place, the Arkansas Razorbacks, and as we've talked about pretty much since the 2022 season ended, Tom, this is... A fascinating team because of who they've lost, which is basically everybody. Mm-hmm. They bring back 31.8% of the hits from last year, less than 30% of the RBIs, and they really didn't attack the portal all that hard. They got some good players in Christina Foreman and Kylie Halverson, Foreman from Duke, Halverson from South Dakota State. Those are bats. You know, they, They're really trusting this recruiting class, which – according to Extra Innings, is number one in the country to help things out in the circle behind Shanice Dels. I think this year we're going to learn a lot about Courtney Dyfold the recruiter. Did she pick the right people for this year? Early reports out of Fayetteville are yes. Uh, and I I hate to be a broken record. I kind of want to see it before
1: I, I start fully buying in on the Razorbacks this year. Right. Yeah, but as we've said numerous times here on this podcast now that she's, yeah. she's got the benefit in for the doubt that you know it is going to come it is going to come together not only do we learn a lot about corny difel the recruiter here this year i think we learn a lot about her as a strategist as as what type of a in-game coach is, is she going to be because she's going to have to make a lot of decisions uh probably in the lineup even more so than than what she does in the circle but you know setting up what the lineup is because you know two years ago not hard to make a lineup when everybody get a home run It's not real difficult to 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 make the lineup last year when you had so many people in such defined roles, what are those roles going to be this year for a lot of new faces?
0: Yeah. And Hannah Gamble, the biggest piece offensively. We talked extensively with Courtney Diefel about that. Fourth place is Alabama. We spent quite a bit of time talking Mm. about the tide. So let's just move on. (laughs) Have you heard of Montana fast? Kimberly Cahalan. Yes. She's on the team. (laughs) Fifth place is LSU. And again, we talked about the divide between the top four and Everybody else in this coaches poll. Fifth is LSU coming off of a truly confounding season where the highs were high and the lows were just bad. You know, 0 2 in regionals, perplexing results all over the place. They had the talent last year and it never came together. This year, they bring back a lot of the offensive pieces they had a season ago, Tom. So the question is can they put it together?
1: All right. What will be the difference from this year? As opposed to last year when, you know, Bethrina was on with us and she just said it just didn't come together. Like yeah. you said, it just it didn't they didn't gel. It didn't work out. Well, if you got the same pieces, what is being done differently this year to where it will? And
0: how will the pitching staff look behind Allie Kilponen at this point with Wickersham and Censary Gone Kilponen's ace She was last year. Who's going to step up and be the number two? Will it be Raylan Chafin? Will it be one of the freshmen that, that people have been talking about? Sydney Burzon has been getting a lot of buzz online. Uh, they've brought in some transfers. I, I think LSU is going to be going to be good. They're going to yeah. be dangerous for sure. But but can they reach a level that since we started this podcast, frankly, we have not seen them reach? Uh, unclear. Yeah, it's
1: finding the the key word for LSU. Uh, is consistency are you going to be able to find that consistency to where you don't have the the valleys where you don't have these huge dips that can sometime last multiple weeks and if they happen at the wrong time get in your season early number six is Georgia too low your favorite team, Two Georgia Bulldogs. low. Gray, Bulldog, Robert Whoa.
0: <laughs> Calm down, Tom.
1: <laughs> this
0: is a good team, though. Sixth place in this coach's poll. They've brought back Madison Kerpix, Kylie Macy, Britton Rogers, all those arms. They've added Shelby Walters from Duke. who was so good in 21, was hurt last year. A lot of the offense is back. I'm looking at it. Seven of the top eight batting averages from a season ago return. They've added Allie Curland, a really good catching option from Penn State. Dallas Goodnight is going over there. Georgia seems
1: like the biggest wild card. I agree. I'm giving me a little bit of grief, but I, I agree. I think they have a really, really high ceiling. I, and I'm not sure about where their floor is, which I think is what makes them so much of a wild card. Because, you know, last year, if they had had a little bit more consistent pitching – they would have been... would have won the league. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they would have a legitimate chance to win the league. If they can find that this year because they have so much coming back, uh, they could be right there again. But if they don't, is it a similar situation to what happened last year?
0: Are you ready to dive into the Enigma pool? Number seven is Kentucky. And when we talk about the Wildcats, mm. there's only one place to start.
1: Who's pitching? Who is pitching? Who
0: is it? I,
1: who knows? I don't have a response. I don't. I don't.
0: I know who it's not. Tatum Spangler and Stoddard are gone. So you've got Schoonover, Lockatina, Gay, and Harrison Sullivan. You've got some people coming in uh, who can throw. I'm sure some people who have learned to pitch this off season who will appear at some point. Sure. I, I love, first of all, that Rachel Lawson is in on the joke and she loves it that we do this. It's <laughs> Kentucky approved. Yes. But but it is seriously the biggest concern because. When you've got Aaron Koffel and Kayla Kowalik, you've got one of the most dangerous offenses in the SEC. It's not going to matter if you're giving up nine runs a game. Right. The thing is,
1: I don't think their pitching staff does. I don't think they they don't routinely give up nine runs a game. But it's just finding. But they're really not holding anybody to three or below. Right. They have to find, even if it's not a, because there's a lot of teams that can be really successful without having the traditional ace number one pitcher. That there's a lot of pitch, there's a lot of teams going to be very successful with a staff approach that, you know, is what Rachel Lawson uses at Kentucky, but you've got to still have to, you still have, need to have one person that you can really count on. That is like, okay if, if gun to my head I have to get an out here who am I throwing out there, I don't know if Kentucky has that person yet. I for some I, I kind of have it in my head I think if it becomes somebody it's going to be like it's hmm. I, I think she's got the experience. She has the experience. She has, you know, international experience. She she has all the tools to be that pitcher for Kentucky. She doesn't have to be Montana Fouts, but she has to be someone that they can rely on to get an out when they really need it. Yeah. Uh, and I think if she can become that for the Wildcats uh, with that offense that they have, I think they can be a team that is contending for the conference championship.
0: Yeah, Koffel and Kowalik. I mean, you've got
1: two of the best bats in this league. One of the reasons why I consistently am so high on Kentucky is because I think Kayla Kowalik is probably the best overall hitter player in the league. And now when you have Koffel that can go along with her as up at that level too, there's no reason for Kentucky not to be in contention. Agreed. Number eight is Missouri. Our dear friend, Larissa
0: Anderson. What a different team this will be from literally every year we've had this podcast. We've talked about offense, 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 offense. Well, less than 35% of the RBIs are back. They graduated a crap ton of people, but every single arm returns. 100% of the innings pitched, and they've added some recruits that Coach Anderson was really high on. When we talked to her at Media Days, Mm -hmm. it's a new look for Missouri which makes them, in my eyes, really tough to predict because I I don't really know how to handle a Missouri team that's pitching first.
1: (laughs) Right. It's definitely a a weird spot to be in, but if you look at uh, Larissa Anderson's history as a coach, this is not unusual for her. Right. This is kind of more of what a Larissa Anderson coach team usually looks like, but it's the first time she's been able to really put it together at Missouri. So we'll see how it works in Columbia. And Jenna Laird.
0: Patrolling the shortstop position, anchoring things down in the lineup. What does the offense look like behind her?
1: We'll find out. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) Sure. Who's to say? Who's hitting? (laughs) Oh no!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! Oh, another bit has Mm. been born. Yes. Number nine is Auburn. (sighs) I have a feeling that we're going to talk a lot about Auburn later on in the show. They bring back Matty Penton and Shelby Lowe. Mickey Dean has said Shelby Lowe is healthy. They bring back everybody above the Mendoza line. Yeah. They add some solid recruits. They bring in a couple transfers. Mickey Dean talked to us last year and said we're gonna work on the power numbers. And what was the biggest thing Auburn did last year? My god, they hit a lot of home runs. They did.
1: They certainly did. Yes.
0: This year he said we're gonna be more well-rounded. I tend to believe him when he says that. I think that this is an Auburn team that that while I don't think they're gonna win the league. I think that they have a chance to host and be a top sixteen host, and I think they're gonna for sure directly impact who does win the conference.
1: Yeah, I mean Auburn is one of those teams that really showcase the depth of the league because there are a lot of conferences, including a couple of power fives, where I think Auburn would probably be the you know, the preseason pick to win it. If I threw Auburn in the Big Ten right now, they're coming like third worst.
0: At, at worst, worst. At third. worst.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So they are going to be a a team that's going to be a lot to deal with. (laughs) And and if they are healthy in the pitching circle, even more so. Uh, I think last year they had something that they really could have developed into a – special season and it kind of got derailed because of injuries. Yeah. Uh Denver Bryant was one of the main ones offensively and Shelby Lowe in the pitching circle. If they can stay healthy with what they have, I know when they come to Tuscaloosa, it's gonna be a dogfight.
0: Yeah. How about spoiler territory? Auburn's got three road trips this year at Georgia, at Florida, at Alabama. And when you've got mm. a pitching staff like this, you can find a way to steal a game. Right. So like I said, Auburn is going to directly decide who wins the SEC this year, in my opinion. Number 10 is Ole Miss. You know, I, I put together this packet with mm-hmm. all the rosters. I don't expect there to be changes. There was one with Ole Miss. Savannah Diedrich no longer on the roster. Unsure why, but that was your second most innings pitch that that was returning. Mm-hmm. We'll see what this pitching staff looks like. Uh, I got to say, you know, Jamie Traxel sold me in media days. I felt like the vibes were good. I, I moved Ole Miss down a little bit uh, just Based on doing a little bit more research and uh, and really just wanting to see what this team looks like with so many new faces coming in out of the portal. I'll Miss is
1: kind of one I've, I've wavered on them too. I, I I agree. I thought our conversation with Jamie Shackle was outstanding. She did a great job of selling the program. Long live Finley! We've got yes. Cheerios coming for you, girl. Looking for looking forward to meeting all the puppies. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm I'm not saying that she wasn't uh, truthful. I, I think I think she's was was putting forth. A lot of what she has going on in the program, which is moving in a really good direction for sure there is just there is just the question marks that keep coming up, but then I think, well, wait a minute, but they added so many really good players they're a good they're gonna be a good team uh, the kind of a situation same as Auburn if they were in a different league, like they they would be in contention to win the league, and even in this one, I think they're in contention to be a, a top sixteen yeah i th- I think if they
0: find the right mixture, yeah, it's there because you know, the You conference. got home run
1: champions coming in. You got, I mean, they yeah. got
0: some really good players. The the, the pieces are definitely there. Like, right. uh, Can it all come together? I, I really do just think it like depends on the pitching. Like is the pitching, yeah. you know, last year a 3-3-4 team ERA to get where they want to go is too high. It's got to go down mm-hmm. um, and they bring back four arms. You, you take out Diedrich, but you add in a mechanically thermos from Oregon and you, you've got a talented recruiting class. Uh, Ole Miss is, A fascinating team to watch this season.
1: Agreed. One thing is for sure, and it's been this case ever since Jamie Traxel has been to Ole Miss, and even before then, uh, it's never dull in Oxford. Oh, look, Tom. Alabama closes at Ole Miss. Oh, yeah. Uh, Had so much fun last time over there. (laughs) Great
0: times had by all. Uh... (sighs) Number 11 is Mississippi State. Fresh off that trip to Supers, life is good, and then you lose your best pitcher and maybe the best power hitter in the yeah. sec's history statistically right. she was mm-hmm. i think mississippi state as a team is probably going to be pretty good i just don't know who they're going to look to in the big moments both in
1: the circle and at the plate yeah i think they're they're in a situation to where it's just going to be hard for them to break the ceiling to get any higher yeah then they you
0: know. don't have a difference chloe Motulu's is a very good player right they don't have a difference maker on this roster
1: right now Not that, that, one that could see yeah sure.
0: one could Emerge. morph into that role
1: right and, but I think that they have shown that given the right situation, they can go to Florida State and, and pull the biggest upset in regional history. It can be, you know, they have that capability. Um, it's just, it's hard for them. It's hard for me to see them being consistently able to win series in this conference.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a real shame. I, I think that that is the better than their record team right. in the SEC this yeah. season. Number 12 is Texas A&M. Trisha Ford's first year, a lot of turnover. Haley Lee is gone. Herzog is gone. They do have Coco Wooly. I'm in love with the Coco Wooly is back. Emily Kennedy, the lefty pitcher. Shaylee Ackerman. Trisha Ford was singing her praises in Media Days. You bring in some people. Emily Levitt at Minnesota. Madison Preston is back in the SEC after some time. Yes, out in the pack. Uh, Joya Cottrell coming in from Oklahoma State. D- don't don't forget RBI producer Grace Uribe. Grace Uribe. An interesting team that I don't think is good enough to be a wild card, but I could see them stealing a game here and there. I mean, look at the home series. Georgia and Tennessee are the first two coming to Davis-Diamond. and could find a way to swipe one against those teams if they play well.
1: a going to be a team to where if you don't win the series or you don't sweep them, it can cost you the conference. Yeah. And I think a and has the capability to win those games and win series. Uh, even against some of the top teams in the in the league, because they they do have they do have talent. They mm-hmm. they, they have they have a good foundation, a good base of talent. Trisha Ford I think is a good coach. Uh, she's going to get them going in a different direction than what they have been the last couple of years. Um, they're going to be a good team. Uh, I just don't know how much better their record's going to be. When all is said and
0: done. Yeah, they'll make the tournament and get ready for 2024. Yeah, Make Honestly. the tournament, hopefully don't get sent to Norman. Oh my gosh. But likely so, and then there you go. And as we talked about with Trisha Ford, of course, you got to love that Mary Nutter schedule facing Oklahoma and UCLA. <laughs>
1: so I, I liked that she was like, I would like to point out I did not make this schedule. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, and we'll see her in Clearwater We, we feel, well. We feel you, coach. We yeah. feel you.
0: Finally, number 13. The South Carolina Gamecocks, with our dear friend Bev Smith, last year did not fix the problems of twenty twenty
1: one.
0: South Carolina does bring in a lot of people that excite me. I I can't wait to see Brooke Blankenship actually get a chance to really cook after watching her this summer and knowing you know some of the things that she showed occasionally at Florida State. Uh, with South Carolina, same old, same old, can the pitching staff just like improve at all? If they yeah. can, they're going to be better. If not, it, it's going to be hard trucking once again.
1: Yeah. I mean, and with so many new people coming in, I mean, Beth Smith did what she had to do that, you know, you, what you're hoping is what last year was, was rock bottom mm-hmm. and, and you're able to bounce up and at least start the forward trajectory. Uh, it's going to be hard when you, when you've been last in league for a couple of years it's hard to really get the momentum going the right way. You know, one way to do it is to bring in a bunch of new people. It's to try to you know just totally change change what your overall makeup is, and that's what she did here with this recruiting class slash transfer portal class that she has coming in. Uh, if they can all gel together, if someone like a Blakenship uh, is able to kind of establish herself in the SEC, you could see the Gamecocks taking some games. Uh, but it's going to be really hard for them. Uh, Record-wise, to get a whole lot better, yeah, I, in, in one year situation. If you, but you could see, even without a record improvement, you could see positive trajectory. You could see pro- positive momentum happening. Like I said, you gotta find you gotta find somebody that can pitch.
0: I, I think when South Carolina comes to Tuscaloosa this year, we're gonna watch them and say, "Wow, I, they are better than mm. they were last year." But like you said, I'm just not I'm not sure if the results will necessarily showcase that i would love to see every sec team back in the ncaa tournament once again i mentioned you know we we saw brooke blankenship in the fgcl Regan marchant freshman at south carolina fgcl mm, yes will they appear on the preseason all fgcl team tom it's time for gray's fgcl corner and
1: i i think we before we discuss the the team we should talk about the the changes that are coming with the fgcl and everything else that's going on which Yeah, as much as we know, because it's still a fluid situation. I I would just like to say
0: you can bleep if you want. All the of the weeks are going to be a real bitch because we've got four (laughs) leagues. (laughs) The FGCL is back, of course. Uh, We've got a league in Nashville, a league in Vegas and out in Omaha, Nebraska for the vegas one i'm not allowed to go to no i'm just gonna I'm, and put that out there tom i'm just gonna say you're not going to vegas so <laughs> okay congratulations Thanks. yes uh which means you know more teams more players more opportunities for people who want to broadcast hit me up in the dms for players who want to get that bit of extra work uh, i've seen some of the rosters as are being put together it's you know, it's an interesting product. Um, we'll, we'll see if they can continue to attract some of the big names we've seen the last few years. Usually those come a little bit towards the end of the season when those announcements are made. But all in all, the league is getting bigger. Uh, the product is getting better. And I'm really excited for another quality summer of softball, Tom. Yes, it'll be a lot of fun. And we had a great summer last year. We did. Yes. The preseason All-FGCL team. These are. This is the team and then you're going to pick our preseason FGCL player of the year. Oh great.
1: Yes. Thank you.
0: Three pitchers have made the cut. Alex Taraco, Oklahoma, formerly of Michigan, 2021 Big 10 pitcher of the year and All-American. She's really good,
1: Tom. I'm just glad Oklahoma was able to to get somebody cuz they were really struggling. They were really missing yeah. that that uh, one piece. They needed that one that one <laughs> extra all-american pitcher is all they
0: needed (laughs) ashley miller michigan state big 10 all-freshman a couple seasons ago jessica laboe going to michigan a huge get for the wolverines out of the portal coming from kent state where she was two-time all-conference and we saw her in tuscaloosa pitch really well a couple seasons ago in the bama bash absolutely catcher is hannah slike from boston college last year acc all-freshman selection the only player i believe who does not have a bullet point under her name as we get to the infielders is christina hartley Uh, hasn't played a ton at florida state she is from my understanding the heir apparent to take over for sydney cheryl at third base and based on what we saw this summer tom i think she will fill that role beautifully (laughs) she she can put bat on ball yes and slick as ice out there in the field. The rest of the infield is Devin Howard from Liberty, first team all A Sun last season. Tiffany Dominique, USC Upstate, first team all Big South. Kylie Sand Rutgers, first team all Big Ten. FGCL doesn't suck, by no, the way. Not right. As we go to the outfield, Allie Miklish moving from Wisconsin to Clemson. She was second team all Big Ten last year with the Badgers. Mackenzie Clark from Clemson, two time all ACC selection. Macy McCall from Winthrop. All big south a couple years ago our dp as we alluded to earlier maya stevenson of old miss previously the all-time marshall career home run leader not bad three-time all-conference and i've added two utility players because i just couldn't pick because mm. they were being put on the list for the same reasons claire davidson from duke your mvp of the fgcl and lauren Espen from alabama your fgcl pitcher of the
1: year and they might face off next week it's, it's very possible <laughs> am i not picking two and then you pick the winner you can pick two yeah yeah that works that's fine pick yeah. two like like
0: we do it during the regular season like we do for literally, literally everything, everything else, else. Yeah. yes go ahead tom pick two uh
1: okay i am going to pick alex ciraco and claire davidson yeah i might take ciraco yeah probably yeah yeah I mean, don't I, I want to put too much pressure on Lauren Essman. I mean, that's why I went with Claire, but uh, Claire's going to have a good year, too. I, yeah, mean,
0: I'll I, I think all these players yeah. are going to have a good year. Like, there are a lot of people who didn't make the list. I've got a, literally a full page of people <laughs> who I had in the running. In particular, I'm really excited to see a former Sooner, Taria Coleman, who's going to Houston, who's finally going to really get a chance to shine. She was one of the more impressive bats we saw all summer. And also on this list, Callie Hevlin from Alabama. She's going to get a shot to... to you know, win some FTCL Player of the Week
1: awards this year. And way that we will probably see in Clearwater, uh, Sarah will- Sarah Willis. Sarah Willis with mm. that UFO changeup. Yes. Beautiful
0: stuff. A new, the newest Golden Knight. <laughs> 40 miles per hour. <laughs> All right. We've gone on too long. We're not going to talk a ton about, you know, big games coming up this week. And we're going to actually discuss a lot of these with Jen Schroeder in just a bit. But, Tom, um, let's pick one a day this okay. weekend opening weekend a game that nationally we're
1: really excited to tune into this weekend out in irvine there's a there's a couple of really good games duke starts things off with quite the double header as, <laughs> as the blue devils oh claire davidson yes as the, the blue devils take on washington and then oklahoma in back-to-back uh games uh on day one so we'll see if the blue devils come out of that one and one or better if they're two and oh I'm like, <laughs> look out Bow
0: down, ACC champs. Here we go. Georgia at UCF on Thursday night. I mean, last year, UCF walked them off. It it was a great game. Right. Uh, Our friend Eric Lopez, uh, I'm sure, is hard at work getting ready for this one as well. Uh, It should be just as good. Can Georgia immediately back up all of this hype that a lot of people are are giving them? You know, winning on the road against a top 20 team would be very good. Friday, Tom,
1: a longer list. What sticks out? Well the back-to-back matchups for Texas Mm. as they play Northwestern and then Missouri Texas last year in the regular season was a struggle the first month was bad yeah it was just bad that's true yeah the first month was not what you wanted they obviously got better as the season went along and hit their stride right at the end made it to the conference made it to the championship series and the women's college world series I think they need to get off to a better start this year And having those two matchups start things off, if they're able to come out of that 2-0, Texas might be having something to say. I am not high on Texas right now. Prove
0: me wrong. Uh, ESPN put them ninth in their preseason poll. I think that's insane.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people looked at what they did at the end of the year last year and was like, well, all right, here here they go. But again, forgetting how not good they were for a lot of the year. they They were
0: average at best for a good portion of the season last year. And they lost the best hitter in school history. Right. And they're ace. So I'm unsure why I'm supposed to think Texas is going to be even at the same level as they were, you know, at the end of last season. My pick is Oklahoma-Stanford. I mean, come on. That's oh, yeah. it's awesome. Great test for Stanford. Wish it wasn't on flow. Not going to pay for it. Might listen to our buddy Chris Plank on the call. Uh, who's, who knows how I'm going to stay tuned. I just know I will be tracking Oklahoma-Stanford on Friday. Saturday, Tom, just as media slate. Pick another one.
1: Again, going back to the Texas uh, well, I want to see how they do against Tennessee and how Tennessee does against them. I think that's a heck of a matchup. Oregon State at LSU.
0: LSU at LSU, a true road game. Yeah. In Baton Rouge, uh, I'm not super high on LSU. Stay tuned for a little bit later. Oregon State coming off of a trip to the World Series, but losing Mariah Mason, who was like everything to them. Right. Throughout her career. Who's going to make a statement on opening weekend under the lights in Baton Rouge? I don't know. Final day of opening weekend is Sunday. I'm going to go first. Okay. Haha. Switching oh, it up. Oh,
1: what? oh OK.
0: Arkansas Baylor Uh our- Baylor, you know, some research showed they bring back like literally anybody who did anything last year and add some transfers in Arkansas, you know, this is the end of what is a pretty light tournament in Las mm-hmm. Vegas, which by the way, great job, Courtney, good fun road trip for everybody. Future I don't know. conference at Patrick Murphy. <laughs> um, I, this is a good chance for Arkansas to make a statement as well. Baylor, while I don't think is going to win this game, it's not
1: going to be a pushover. Baylor coming off of winning a tournament last year. It's true. That, that was a thing that happened. <laughs> they won... The WNIT of, of softball, softball. <laughs> whose I name I don't remember. I, I cannot recall. I'm so
0: sorry if their tournament director is listening right now. My bad. I, I don't know what that tournament is called. They beat, did they beat North Alabama in the championship? Uh, North Alabama was in it for a while say, because Emma Broadfoot was yeah. like all tournament. We should
1: ask Emma uh, if we'll she remembers out. the name of that, of that tournament. But Baylor won it, is, was my point. Great job, so, Bears. They were one of two teams that won their last game of the season last year. <laughs> All right, Tom, your Sunday pick? Uh, I'm with you. I want to see what Arkansas has to at the at the end of what you said was a pretty light weekend in, in Las Vegas. Do they look past a team like Baylor? And if they do, does that you know kind of change what your thoughts are of them moving forward?
0: Yeah. What an opening weekend it will be. Whew, there we go. Mm. We have put it in play softball is happening oh <laughs> my gosh and after we've hung out at first base for 40 years look over there tom we've got the sign yes blessed be we can finally leave first base and steal second much like Allie shipman green light girl <laughs> yes that's true get ready for that this year. <laughs> we're, we're already in like mid-season mode it's time to steal second jen schroeder is here we're going to talk to our dear friend from espn on the other side, as we continue with the season five premiere here on the Out of the Box podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the season five premiere of the Out of the Box podcast. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. We are back in our studio here in Tuscaloosa. It is softball season, and who better to break it all down than one of our friends? It's time to steal second with somebody who didn't let people do that. Our friend from ESPN, member of the Bruin Bubble, seven innings podcast. You see her all over the place. Jen Schroeder, welcome back to the show. Happy softball season.
3: I am so excited to be here, guys. I've never been here on opening day, opening podcast day with you guys. So I am excited and honored to be here. And I cannot believe season is upon us.
0: It like took forever, and yet I'm surprised that games are being played (laughs) essentially 48 hours from right now as we record.
3: I feel the same way. I feel like season felt like it was never going to make it. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, it's happening. <laughs> right. It's it's so weird.
0: <laughs> what's got you most excited about 2023? Let's start broad. What, what's what got you pumped about college softball this year?
3: I've got to talk about my UCLA Bruins. This is going to sound so biased, but really guys, they seem to be loaded. So stacked. So I'm excited to see if that talent Is wins in the win category. I don't know. You know, because when you get so many people transferring and you think about it, they have nine newcomers when it comes to freshmen and transfers, you have nine new people on your team. You just don't know how everything's going to mesh. So I'm really excited to kind of see how their talent uh, performs on the field. I am excited about Oklahoma. Who isn't excited about Oklahoma? And I don't say that facetiously because I feel like that could definitely come off as like, "Oh, I'm excited to see Oklahoma win." Especially when the three <laughs> of
0: us are talking on this podcast. Right. Exactly.
3: I'm, I'm not I really, particularly
1: excited about Oklahoma.
3: <laughs> not really. I'm excited because I, you know, I, I like good softball, and then, of course, as much as I hate to admit this, I'm always excited to see how much bigger and better the sec gets because really oh god i was i'm putting down the words i was just i'm not going to say the words i was just going to say that they're the best conference in softball i didn't say that but really the sec is the best conference in softball right now and i feel like each and every year they outdo themselves and so i'm just excited to watch it
1: it just means more jen it's okay i'm not gonna say that (laughs) i'm gonna get you a pillow that says that (laughs) Well, let's, uh, let's talk about those Oklahoma Sooners to start things off. Um, maybe the most hyped team in history, and maybe rightfully so. They have so much talent. Is there any way they can possibly match what the hype is coming into this year?
3: No, and I'm going to say it. This is my big lofty call for the year. I'm excited to watch Oklahoma, but I don't think they're going to be the Oklahoma that we've seen for the last couple of years. I'm just saying it.
1: Good. I okay. I, I, I wish
3: have... you guys. I wish content. Lived. Yes. I, <laughs> I wish everyone listening could see your guys' faces when I just said that because your eyebrows went up and your jaws dropped a little bit. But I just don't think that Oklahoma is going to be the team that hits eighty bajillion home runs. They may hit fifty bajillion, but it's not going to be. You guys know Oklahoma was almost invincible last mm. year. We yes. were talking about. Would they ever lose a game in this season? And I don't think we're going to see that Oklahoma. I think that they'll still be very good. Potentially, they will compete for the national championship. They could win the national championship. But I don't think they're going to be the big, bad Oklahoma Sooners that they've been.
1: So now the Oklahoma fans we mad at Jen and not me. So yeah, there we hey, I'm, go. I'm okay with that.
3: Thank Come you for your me. service. <laughs> that, you know what? Also, that doesn't mean that I don't love the coaching staff and love the players, and I don't root for Oklahoma when they're not playing UCLA. And everyone knows Kinsey Hansen is my girl, but it's just a feeling I have.
0: Yeah, you know, we are friends with some Sooners. And I do want to shout out my new friend from this summer, Alex Storaco, former Michigan Wolverine, now an Oklahoma Sooner. We're actually uh, texting earlier today about our love of Oreos and Lauren Essman. And, you know, she's such an interesting addition to this pitching staff. Nicole May still there hanging around. Jordy Ball coming back and all reports are saying she's fully healthy. Now you add a a Storaco into the mix. This is an OU team that last year led the country in ERA. They might be back in that same position this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt Alex DiRocco is a stud. And I think that she's going to add a lot of depth to that pitching staff. And I think Oklahoma does really well when they have depth. I mean, every team does well when they have depth in the circle. But I think Oklahoma is a team who actually will use different arms. Where there are certain teams who will just ride one arm. I think Jordy Ball will be their ace. Knock on wood if she can stay healthy or if she is healthy, like those reports are saying, Gray, we don't know. I'll believe it when I see her pitch consistently over and over. That will tell me if she's healthy or not. Uh, But I think Alex DiRocco adds a lot of depth. And I mean, there's no doubt they're going to be good. Me saying they're not the Oklahoma of the past does not mean or does it is not me saying they're not going to be good. They're going to be good. But I just think that. I don't, I think they're going to hit some, some roadblocks. And I think we're going to see some lineups in the next few weeks that are going to surprise
1: people. Hmm. We saw last year, Jocelyn Allo finish off her record-breaking career, uh, riding off to the Hall of Fame sunset there. Uh, But then right behind her is T.R.A. Jennings, probably going to break all those records. Uh, Definitely the, the preseason player of the year.
3: She, to me, Tiari Jennings is the best player in softball right now. There's nobody who's more athletic or versatile on both offense and defense. And you can't help but watch her play and love the way she plays. You guys know you watch certain people who are studs and maybe they come off as too aggressive or they rub you the wrong way. You watch Tiari Jennings work and you just fall in love with the sport of softball more because of the passion she plays with the smile on her face. You end up rooting for her. You want her to be the one to get the game-winning hit. But when you see her teammate be the one to get the game-winning hit, she's the first one to cheer for him, clap for him, be excited for her teammate. And so she just makes me a bigger fan of the sport.
0: Jen Schroeder joining us here on the Out of the Box Podcast Season 5 premiere. We are stealing second with our friend Jennifer, who is out in California. She's already talked about the Bruins. Let's talk about the Pac-12 I've done all these breakdowns, and every time I do it, I'm like, my gosh, UCLA might win this league by six games. I think the pack as a whole is is pretty good. I think it's as deep as it's been in a long time. But UCLA it just seems like a cut above everybody else. Is that fair? Do you think it's UCLA and everybody else? Or is a team like Stanford ready to spoil the party?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Personally, I do think it's UCLA and everybody else. I I, I mean, I don't know if they're going to win the league by six games. I don't know. But when you take two of the top teams in the league, UCLA and Arizona last year, right in 2022, and you take some of the best players off Arizona's roster and you place it on a UCLA team who didn't lose. We didn't. Did we lose a starter? Didn't lose a starter
0: a couple Kinsley Washington Bree Perez but you know Oh
3: my god Bree Perez Go f- was on the team last year holy <laughs> man i got to get with it it's but, it's I mean, preseason it's okay <laughs> jesus i mean i just feel like the years keep flying by you know Kinsley Washington just had the winning hit you know in 2019 no big deal um but Bree Perez obviously man uh sorry sorry Perez family for that uh but when you take the best players off Arizona or some of them and you put them on the top team in the Pac 12 You're just making a larger super team. The thing that scares me anytime this happens with any team is you have so many newcomers. That means new personalities. How are people going to handle that? How are your head coaches? How are your assistant coaches going to handle that? What does the culture look like on your team? And so, a lot of that is something that you can't see until you start to watch them play games. And you see the way teammates react when somebody gets the game winning hit or makes the big play. You know what I mean? When it's not you, that's what Alabama and their that's your Mudita energy, that mentality you start to see that play out when you have a ton of newcomers, especially transfers from your ultimate rival school, now being your teammate, how does that Mudita mentality, you know, factor out? We'll only see when we, when we see them start playing and UCLA's uh, schedule this weekend is cake
0: yeah i i just you mentioned the rivalry factor it's so fascinating it's so to weird. me that I, arizona I people went to ucla can't imagine <laughs> the, like, you know, that is the here's, ultimate here's,
3: college here... softball rivalry of all time ucla arizona come on to westwood come on over i i love those girls all of them that transfer i mean even even our organ transfer too but seeing them in a blue uniform it even makes me feel weird
1: yeah, I mean, as much as I'd love to have Maddie Penta on Alabama, I can't imagine like three Auburn players coming over to play at Alabama. Just it doesn't seem right. No, but it could definitely can definitely happen in today's day and age, especially. And uh, wanted to get get your thoughts again on on Stanford. As much as it kind of hates, I kind of I hate to talk about it because of what happened in, in Tuscaloosa at the end of the season last year. But uh, they didn't lose much from that team that did that did something that had never been done before. Uh, beating Alabama in a regional in Tuscaloosa in the super regional era. Um, What do you think we'll see from the Cardinal this year? Uh,
3: The the Cardinal, I mean, Stanford is a great team with a phenomenal head coach and Jess Alistair, and she will have them prepared to play. I think the biggest gap that exists between UCLA and everybody else is the depth that they have. When you look at how many legitimate starters ucla can have compared to stanford stanford has got to play pretty perfect softball a lot mm-hmm. now in the pitching circle however i mean look at what they did last year how many perfect games did they have and no hitters did they have and i mean they held ucla at bay they they took the series from ucla up at stanford last year if you guys remember so there's no doubt that stanford is a great softball team and they are growing their softball program back to where it used to be because they used to go to the World Series. Jess Mendoza was a part of that team. They were at the World Series. This is not a team that doesn't know what it's like to play in OKC, but I just think that the gap exists in the depth of the rosters.
0: Let's move on to the ACC. This, outside of the SEC, might be the most fascinating conference race. You've got, of course, Florida State, who Was so phenomenal all year long, and then it just crumbled in regional. You've got a Clemson team who keeps ascending and put out the best damn hype video I have seen in years today. You've got Virginia Tech, Duke, who had phenomenal seasons in 2022. Notre Dame is always a little bit under the radar. How is the ACC going to shake out, Jim?
3: So the ACC is a conference whom year after year for probably the last three years, I've fallen in love with more and more each season. And I find myself just turning their games on to watch because they're so competitive. There's a lot of high scoring softball games that go back and forth. And honestly, I feel like any team can win on any given day. Great. I think it was you who gave us a stat in the, in the group text or one of the group texts that I'm in with you that talked about Florida state and kind of how they go a year on a year off a year on a year off. And so knowing that last year was, we'll call it, you know, air quotes they're off year. No one thought they were going to get upset at home. Just like no one thought Alabama was going to get upset at home. Right. I have a feeling that you don't forget how that feels. You don't forget getting upset at home. And so I think this year, despite how good a Clemson or a Duke may be, I think that this year, the ACC is Florida State's.
1: What about if we take a look over at the Big 12? We talked, other than Oklahoma. Well, we've already, there are other teams. We we'll tell everybody else. Last year, Texas... Had a somewhat a pretty disappointing overall regular season, but then put it all together at the end and made the run to the to the championship series. Oklahoma State, if a transfer didn't go to Oklahoma or UCLA, they went to Oklahoma State. They have to at least fifty people on their <laughs> roster. They uh, have
3: fourteen newcomers. Oklahoma <laughs> State has fourteen newcomers.
1: It, it's ridiculous. Uh, but how does that gel together? What do you see happening in the Big Twelve outside of Oklahoma?
3: So outside of Oklahoma and I'll even I'll make a big prediction here that I think Oklahoma State maybe wins that conference I know Wow. I like people to wow. just come down on me but uh,
0: I feel like delete we, Twitter for the next week.
3: Geez, I know <laughs> I know. I mean we got to see how this shakes out but I love what Kenny Gajewski is doing in Stillwater. I, I love it. And and I, I mentioned something with UCLA about having all those newcomers, right? I think what Kenny Gajewski does is he is able to create a consistent culture while always bringing in and letting go. It's a very fluid roster, right? 14 newcomers, that's a lot. But he, can I say the word BS? Like, can I say bullshit on this podcast? He's like a no BS kind of guy, right? Like you come in, you come into Oklahoma State, And you play under Oklahoma State, Cowgirl softball. Like that's it. And if if you don't buy, no hard feelings, I'll see you later. And I love the culture that he is creating there. Even the atmosphere, you turn on the games on TV and they've got a bajillion people there and it's exciting and people are loving following that program. But to me, I think Oklahoma State, if they're not at the World Series this year, I'll be surprised. Mm. Do you guys agree?
0: I mean- I, I was shocked when I was putting together my preparation for the D one podcast that we did the other night at just how many offensive pieces they lost. I mean, I hadn't actually seen it on paper. They've added so many people. Uh, and of course, you know, with Kenny, he's used to this, right? Like you just said, like this, this happens every year, but this seems a lot more than normal to, to have to replace. And I'm curious, like you were saying, Tom, to see how it all comes together. But of course, you've got, you know, if if Montana and Megan Faramo aren't the best pitchers in the country, but it's not Jordy Ball, it's Kelly Maxwell. Like That would be your Mount Rushmore of yeah. the top four, and Maxwell at times last year looked like the best in the country. It's a heck of a building
1: block. That's what, that's what got me so much in trouble with the Oklahoma people last year was that I pointed out that Oklahoma, even though they had the best team last year and was probably going to win it regardless, that they got the run through the postseason to where they never had to face some of the really elite teams they, in, but they faced UCLA and actually lost the game to UCLA, you know, they, right. they, but they didn't have to face some of these elite pitchers, including Maxwell in, in the world series after Maxwell beat them in the regular season. So, um, I, I can yeah, definitely so, see sometimes
3: that. Sometimes Oklahoma fans on Twitter don't like hearing facts like that. Right. Exactly.
1: Gonna... They just totally ignored what I said. They were going to win anyway. Right. And, and right. Said
3: that, <laughs> yeah, that part doesn't matter. No, doesn't it. matter at all.
1: Uh, so, uh, I I could see Oklahoma State making that run again this year for sure because they have that great returning talent. The the question I have is how is everything going to gel together when you bring in so many different people? Yeah, and you know sometimes the situation that causes someone to transfer is the other team. Sometimes it is the person. And are they is the person bringing? issues in uh you know you never know and a lot of people that's a lot of people sure one of one of those 14 probably well it wasn't the team that made them transfer it was the person is what i'm saying
3: i feel like kenny gajski almost runs oklahoma state like a minor league baseball farm system like here's here's the farm team and you're in and out you know
1: yeah, yeah who, who gets the call up to the to <laughs> yeah. the big leagues? Yeah, 100%.
0: Oklahoma State fascinates me, uh, as does, you know, speaking of crafty lefty pitchers transition. Oh, wow. Northwestern, man. customary mention of the Big Ten. I don't think that this is going to be an interesting race at all. Northwestern is going to win the Big Ten. The rest of the league is unranked in pretty much every poll for a reason. But – I mean, there are still some storylines of interest in this conference. and I think in particular, we look at Michigan. What is life after Hutch like? And frankly, you know, when you look at the Big Ten, if they're not all that strong, how does that impact Northwestern, a team that could be really good, but when we get to the postseason might be hurt by a league that is overall not quite there?
3: You know, firstly, I want to recognize that I think that it'd be a great song title. What is life after Hutch like? I imagine that headlining your <laughs> album. Uh, but, but beyond that, I, I get what you're saying. But it also kind of reminds me when the Big Ten during COVID didn't allow anyone to play outside their conference. Remember when that happened mm-hmm. in in 2021 where they could only play in conference because of COVID? So I feel like the Big Ten, especially Northwestern, has, has kind of had that that target when i say that target that um that tagline like you don't play anybody on their back a little bit and i feel like they've done a good job navigating those waters and i don't know what they do at practice i don't know what they do to prepare but i feel like when it comes to playing those big games specifically remember at palm springs last year when they played washington right like everyone thought oh how is Northwestern going to be? And then they just took it to them. And so it's like, yeah, I feel like, um, they, they've done a good job navigating those waters and, and I agree it's Northwestern should win that league.
0: Yeah. I think the bottom of the big 10 is a little bit better, but yeah. low bar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest.
1: Sorry, yeah. big 10 fans. <laughs> uh, well, now that we talked about the big 10, let's talk about the best conference as you talked about earlier, Jen. Yeah. <laughs> the, the sec where it just means more. Um, if, uh, if you had, we talked. We talked about it in, the, in previous segments here on the podcast. That this is as wide open an SEC race as we've seen in a long time. If you could buy one team in this league right now, who would it be?
3: Buy as in, what do you mean? Buy to market to sell it? Buy as far as I think they're going to win it? Like, what do you mean by that statement?
1: Or I guess, or what is the most intriguing team to you right now in the conference?
3: Oh man, okay. Who do I think is going to win? The SEC, who do I think should win, Yeah, should win, is Alabama. And I'm not saying that because I'm on a very Alabama-heavy podcast right now. I think when you look at Allie Shipman and Montana Fouts, and specifically when you reflect back on last year, the high hopes, the assumption of playing at the World Series, and you losing on your home field in Tuscaloosa, it's a feeling you don't forget. And all of your motivation for your entire season is reflecting upon that moment, despite the fact that I'm sure some of the taglines in the dugout are going to be, oh, you know, new team, new year, focus on this year, us, you know, whatever their taglines are. I don't think you forget how that feels. And I'll go back to 2007 UCLA, LMU beating us at our own regional. LMU beating UCLA at the 2007 regional in LA and, and then us making a really good run in, in 2008, Uh, we didn't win in 2008, but, but having a really good season, you don't forget how it feels to lose that game. 2007 was a long time ago. And you talked to your friend, Tara Henry, that's her senior year. It still brings a visceral reaction to her. And so I, I really think it's reminiscent of what Alabama experienced last year. And so when I look at that team, specifically those two players that are going to lead your team, Montana and Allie, I think that they're going to use that as motivation this entire season. Now, a team that intrigues me specifically because they're hosting the SEC conference and a lot of people thought they were going to be at the World Series and they didn't make it is in Arkansas. Um you guys know I love Arkansas. My baby sister went there. That's how I became an SEC softball fan and and really fell in love with the big stadiums and and big sports and saw a different side of softball. They're still intriguing to me because I still just don't like in my gut, I can't tell you they're going to be at the World Series this year. I can't. And there are people who are saying they will be and I I can't yet get behind it. And so that's why they're an intriguing team to me because I'm excited to watch, to see them. But in my gut, in my gut of all guts right now, I don't know if I have them in my eight, you know, super early, way too early pick at the world series.
1: Yeah, Arkansas, I think they've earned the benefit of the doubt because they've won the conference two years in a row, but they've Mm -hmm. lost so much. And then they won the conference two years in a row, but their seasons ended in Super Regionals two years in a row.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: I think it's also, as we talked about in the last segment, it's
0: telling that they got so many first place votes in that preseason coaches poll, but finished third and only four points ahead of Alabama in fourth. And that to me says that nobody really knows what Arkansas is going to look like this year. Yeah.
3: Right. No, ex- and I I mean, don't you guys feel that same way? Like, we're just, yeah. we're, it's a its a question mark team. I don't, I don't know, which is so much improvement from where they were, say, five yeah. years ago.
1: Right. But, yeah. Courtney, Courtney Diefel has elevated them where you have questions, but you still think they're going to be yes. at, toward the top, if not at the top yeah. of the league. Right. Uh, where, Whereas, yeah, like I said, five years ago, not the case. Yes. Uh, but the team that was selected to win the league uh, by the coaches and most every other poll that I've seen is Florida. And just right. wanted to get get your thoughts on the Gators.
3: Okay, so I I think in a in a D one softball Twitter space, I, I I think I I called them to to go there. Or no, actually I called the Crimson teams, but somebody called Florida, and I just think I was look at head coaches and culture. It just tells me a lot about how that team is going to be. And when you look at Tim Walton, he's a guy who loves to win loves to win at all costs. And he does a great job getting people to buy in to his program. And it's no surprise that Kenny Gajewski coached under him and they were teammates, right? Cause it's a lot of the same at those two different locations. So I think Tim has been a little too average again, air quotes on average, cause it's obviously still way above average. He's been a little too average for too long in his opinion. And I I don't think he does well there. And when I, that's a compliment to him because he's so competitive and he's such a good coach. So I feel like just looking at the history of Florida softball under Tim Walton as their head coach, I mean, it's another team that I'd be shocked if they weren't at the world series, because I feel like Tim is due for a really elite softball team.
0: I'm intrigued by Florida as well. I mm-hmm. think next year is the year. Uh, we'll see, you know, they've got such a great recruiting class coming in. It's kind mm-hmm. of insane, but we'll see what they look like this year. I still have the pitching questions I talked about in the last segment.
1: What was I saying about Alabama? You're obviously very high on the Crimson Tide. What have you heard from other people, not affiliated with Alabama, who are obviously affiliated with Alabama. What have you heard from other people and their thoughts on Alabama after the disappointment at the end of last year and what they have coming back this year?
3: I think the talk around town. Yeah. What are they saying
1: on the streets, Jen?
3: Right, right. Is, is more of how will the pitching staff be without Steph Van Brakel, right? Or Mm. pro throats. I think it's, it's interesting when you have somebody who's been such an integral part of a coaching staff depart, um, especially when I know that her and Montana had such a great relationship and that's that's not ill talking anyone who who's come in or or anything sure. like right. that because I think it's amazing that she's now a head coach, right? and she's 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 doing the same thing that she would advise any of her of her players to do of taking an opportunity. But I just think the talk the talk around town is how will the pitching staff be? And then of course, always the talk about Alabama is the offense. Everyone asks, "Who is the hitting coach?" Like <laughs> seriously, like, do they have a hitting coach? Quick
0: Who quoting Facebook, hitting... Jen. Mm.
3: I know. I'm just I'm just being honest. You know, it's people are very interested in Alabama and their offense. So um, that's just me being honest about what people say.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah. Jen Schroeder, sure. joining us here as we still second All right, Jen. Uh, we're about to let you go. Thank you so much for the time. But. Let us know what's up with the seven innings podcast this year. What are y'all doing this season?
3: You know, great question. Um, We're supposed to start next week. So we'll see. I feel like we're all a little behind uh, this year, but word on the street is next week.
0: (laughs) All right. Wonderful. We'll be tuning in. Yes. As we continue to gather all of the co-hosts of the seven innings podcast (laughs) into our out of the box guest infinity gauntlet. And we started (laughs) off. Season five with Jen Schroeder. Jen, you're the best. We we can't wait to see you at some point this year. Thanks so much for hopping on.
3: Thanks for letting me be real honest on here, guys. I always <laughs> appreciate being a visitor in your guys' special space.
0: So there we go. We have stolen second, Tom, with our friend Jen Schroeder, who just always comes in with the fire. Remember earlier we were mm. talking about stoking the coals and oh, firing
1: yes. off hot takes. Jim was like, "Stand back, boys. <laughs> Let me." pour this giant can of gasoline on the fire love it and then pop off for the rest of the
0: episode good (laughs) oh we love it thank you so much to jen and now it's time to round third time we come back
1: emily pete clifford
0: is here because of course she is right it's a premiere episode of course this is her
1: slot this is where she comes in every year and i'm ready to hear what she has to say that's
0: next when we come back we'll round third here on the season five premiere of the the out-of-the-box podcast we continue with the season five premiere of the the out-of-the-box podcast with a yearly tradition it's time to round third here on the show gray robertson tom canterbury and tom you know there there are not a lot of guarantees in life you know death taxes and Emily P. Tech Clifford coming on the season premiere of the show. It's time for P. Tech's Point of View with our dear friend Emily P. Tech Clifford.
1: Emily, hi! How are you?
2: Hello, boys. I'm good. How are you?
1: Like Much like the Masters, it's a tra- tradition unlike any other. Yes. And
0: Emily it's, it's has really CBS-like good... production in her house right now.
2: <laughs> hey, Megaronowitz, I'd like to talk to you about my new tech. <laughs>
0: Emily, there's, there's so much to get to, Uh, you know, we've got a new softball season coming up. Of course, we're going to talk in a minute about trivia night, but how excited are you for, for this 2023 year, not just with Alabama, but, but as a whole in college softball.
2: I'm super excited. I feel like it's been an eternity since Alabama specifically has played in a meaningful game. Um, But, you know, Right now, especially with what happened in the offseason with everybody in the transfer portal, I feel like it's David, the collective softball world, versus Goliath. And I just really can't wait to see what type of parity happens, and I hope it it goes through the whole season and not just until the very last series. So I I want some big waves and some huge upsets when it matters most.
1: And speaking of that, when – something like what happened at the end of last season happened the, ask your opinion as an athlete, how do you use that one as motivation, but at the same time turn the page from it?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm like really excited to watch Alabama softball this year because from top to bottom, I feel like from Murph to, you know, a new student manager. I feel like everybody has a fresh start and, um, Change can be good and change can be jarring. So change, the jarring change was they didn't make a super regional last year. Alabama didn't make it last year. That's jarring. That causes shockwaves through the whole softball community in this country. Um, and a lot of people had different narratives. And truth be told, I think the athletes on the team uh, knew what that actual narrative was. And I think some of the girls this year are pissed off and they're going to be pissed off for greatness, and they're going to channel that into pouring into their teammates to practice, to the experience of being a college athlete and playing for Alabama. And as if I was Murph, I'd be so stinking excited. Like, I mean, he has to be rejuvenated as well because he's been doing this for a gosh long, darn time, long time. This is year 27 for him, maybe year 26, whatever it is. I'm always one year off, but Maybe last year was really good for him, too, because um, it's easy when, you, when you're when you driving a Cadillac to be like, I got, I'm in a Cadillac, and then five years down the road, you forget you're in a Cadillac, and I wonder if our fans have forgotten that, too, but we're a perennial contender, and it's an awesome place to be, but sometimes you need a little injection of life and uh, some rude awakenings, and I think that probably happened for everybody who's returning.
0: And you mentioned Alabama being a contender. We've talked about it throughout this show. It feels like everybody's a contender in the SEC this year. You know, Florida is always there. Tennessee looks like a team that could make some noise. Georgia, I feel very strongly about this year. LSU could surprise us all. Who knows? I'm sure I'm forgetting other teams. This is is an SEC race that could be as stressful and as tight as it's ever been. And I think that that lends to the same kind of excitement that you were talking about, Emily, because it's truly going to feel like the league is is on the line every time you lace up the cleats.
2: Yeah. Um, I think, let's see, what year is it? I think this is year 17 or 18 of being a fan of Alabama softball and SEC softball in general. And going through the years, it was Alabama LSU. And then you get um, Alabama LSU kind of wavered off. Then Tennessee comes in and they're pretty good. Then it's Alabama and Florida starts going pretty strong after a while. And now the talent is just spread from both sides, east and west. I mean, they don't do that in, in softball, but in, in the whole conference, um, from Missouri down to Gainesville, um, you know, College Station might have some questions, but but there's there's no off weekend. And I put the top four – but I went through the line or the uh, schedule today from Florida, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Bama. And just their see schedule and what I thought the the conference finishes would be. And they're one through four is all within the game of each other. <laughs> like, so yeah. Bama's at 19, I had Bama at 19 and five. Then you have Tennessee at 18 and six, you have uh, Florida at 17 and seven and Arkansas at 16 and eight.
3: Mm.
2: Like, so if you, if you are stressed out in general, like, Please go see your doctor about some anxiety medicine because you might need it this year. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, but that's, that's a lot of losses for a winner. Yeah. Yeah, you know, too. So, I mean, there's going to be um...
0: – wasn't,
2: wasn't last year six, a six-loss winner?
1: I think so.
0: The was last it, couple of it? years, it, yeah. it's been skewing further and further to six and seven. It used to be like
1: three and four. Right. Well, it's yeah. just because sweeps are just so difficult to come
2: by. Yeah. I know. Podcast pizza well, right
1: there. Sweeps are hard to come by. Yes.
2: <laughs> but, and that's the crazy thing in in these, like uh, Tennessee had three sweeps. Um, Florida had two. Arkansas had three, actually. And we had three. But we, in my scenario, we never dropped a series. Hmm. Right. Wow. And that's it. And I go, I know, guys, everybody's listening. I am a Bama homer. I will tell you right now. And I am an eternal optimist. And I just think that when an Alabama team is the expectations are not through the roof is when we're at our best. And I think Murph coaches better then. I think the girls played better. And I think the fans were kind of like the Michael Jordan. We have to find something to get angry at, like, to motivate us. And so look <laughs> looked like eight, the eight is great here, you know? Like, that was compelling stuff um, that the team did but let's use it let this team use it but oh my gosh this sec schedule is crazy but great like you were saying georgia you're kind of interested about them i think that out of these you know they're ranked six in the sec preseason poll and i think they'll end up higher than that for sure but i think they also have one of the easier schedules um going forward but there i like their
0: home schedule i don't know i mean we're gonna do our polls in just a bit Uh, stay tuned folks we'll see if we agree with emily on the champion of the southeastern conference Uh, if i if i want to get more specific emily uh what game in particular are you most excited about uh, having the chance to party at Rhodes during this year
2: oh home games okay um I mean, Auburn is already
0: basically, well, like, you can't get into the club anymore, pretty much, for the Auburn series.
2: Yeah, if you want to come see it, I mean, we haven't played Auburn since 2017 at home, and my kids were, Lizzie and Caroline, were still, like, under three feet tall, and that's no longer the case. <laughs> um, but if you want to go to that series, like, tonight or tomorrow, as you're, as you're listening to this in the car, like, go to RollTide.com and buy a ticket for Friday of Auburn, because that's the only one left and um i should also note
0: friday of auburn is also montana's senior day so
2: Mm, and someone apparently is throwing the first pitch out so i can't remember who (laughs) that's right
0: (laughs) oh yeah that's right oh yeah (laughs) i
2: I hope congratulations
1: guy
0: i I think i
2: think it was i think it was mr two thousand dollars wasn't it
1: that's what i i hope alabama remembers who's supposed to be throwing (laughs) i (laughs) I did
2: not write that down jaden spencer's got it yeah Um, i'm sure she does yes But, yeah, Auburn, obviously, um, you want to talk about rivals. Our rival in softball is traditionally LSU. Um, The West, when we were East-West, it always came down to us and LSU. Um, In recent years, there's been a nice little budding storyline with Arkansas. So that's going to be a spicy one as well at home um so those three mark your calendars and make sure you're getting a ticket early because i can promise you i won't have one <laughs> week of. and if i do they're already promised to somebody
1: the, the tickets are getting harder and harder to come by on emily's black market that she's got going on with it
2: <laughs> hey it's a free black market <laughs> right. let me be clear um but yeah people think i'm like i don't know people think i'm SubHub and i'm totally not so <laughs> As long as
0: you do better than Ticketmaster, we're happy. Right. So that's, uh, I,
2: will, I will never need to be investigated by Congress, so we're good. <laughs> Emily we're good is there. not
1: in charge of Taylor Swift tickets, so we're okay. <laughs> Everything's no. fine.
2: Uh, well, I wanted
1: to ask you about, you, you mentioned how that all the talent in the league has spread out more. I think one of the reasons that is because there's just more good softball players. There, there are more players that are available to be had and you're seeing that because there's so much better development earlier on in players lives as you're going to see now as as your as your kids get older playing different sports how much have you seen since when you were a kid playing and coming through how much have you seen that change and develop at the lower levels
2: it's stupid like <laughs> it's it's stupid i play i play here's the thing kids nowadays you don't see them outside playing in the streets you do not Uh, unless you're in this amazing neighborhood that's, you know, everybody's trying to get into everything has become so specialized and uh, performance coaches and hitting coaches and private lessons. And I personally don't subscribe to all that. And I'm a coach. Like I sit in the backyard and play with my kids yesterday. I mean, Lizzie and Caroline are going to be playing softball this year. And people were talking about hitting mechanics when I posted it up on instagram about what they were doing and they were like do this and this and this and i go dad was a d1 baseball player we're just gonna work on having fun and like we're just gonna call
0: cat for pitching
1: too
2: so well, don't even tell okay. us any of that lizzie cat's <laughs> first or lizzie's first pitching lesson was cat <laughs> <See? See? laughs> so
1: there you go yeah
2: well it wasn't even a lesson it was seven minutes in the backyard while caroline was riding around them in a bicycle so um <laughs> but it's, it is, there's, there's a lot more. And and I can't figure out if it's parents trying to purchase the division one dream for themselves or for their kid. And I think everybody wants their child to be successful, but like the best athletes and people out there are ones who have learned through failure and they've worked through like grinding to get where they are. It's not all just handed to them. So, um, I think, I think the female athlete in general has, got, has developed into a much stronger competitor. Um, I think the emphasis on uh, nutrition, on load management, all that kind of stuff has really helped um, females in general. And it's just really exciting to... to, to it's just exciting, it's scary to think about this world where my kids can grow up in and be involved in athletics but I never ever want it to be too serious for them. I want them to enjoy it. Cause if they're gonna enjoy it, they're gonna play it longer and at a higher level and with more success than me um, projecting my hopes and dreams for them on their performance. That's not gonna be beneficial for them. So, but it's funny. We talk about like the spread of the really good athletes in this conference. And I, I can't remember how many years ago it was, maybe three or four but we were talking about the transfer portal and how that was going to change college athletics and in particular softball and Holy smokes, are we seeing that? Like, obviously you have Oklahoma, Oklahoma state is, is, you know, trying to keep up with the, with the, with the Sooners, but look at Tennessee in our conference, man. They, they're, they're going to be really good. They got the Mac pitcher of the year um, coming in to help Ashley Rogers and Alabama. We got the Mac player of the year. So let's see sorry which one is the Mac sorry sorry Mac
1: <laughs> we take all your good players
2: <laughs> yeah they're they're just like shoot but we talked about that a couple of years ago it's like yeah. the rich are going to get richer and and I, sometimes I think about it is it going to be for better for my my kids if they do want to play college athletics to really try and hammer home that like being on the best team so they get seen straight out of caught co- like into college or get into a college and then work your tail off and then be seen by the bigger guys like Mm -hmm. which which coin do you want to flip and get but um it's exciting i'm excited i'm i'm honest i'm like i'm i'm a fan of people so i'm actually looking forward to see how our former players do other places like we talked about a couple years ago with skylar she's crushing it man like she's crushing it in florida and it's awesome to see and people talk about when they talk about transfers there's a negative connotation to the program that they left Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, really unfair um, for people to think, because like I read Ashley Praney's uh, Tide Tribune today, and she's like, I loved Ohio State, but I needed to change. And, yeah. whatever, and, and I think that's what a lot of the general fan doesn't understand is team dynamics. Like a team is different from year to year, completely, and unequivocally different. And um, situations change, people change, and like, you just have to support them through that process of, of discovering what's best for them.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's the important thing to remember is that no, no one outside of, you know, the people that are doing the transferring know, know the situation, know, know the 100% in and out on why it's happening. It, it may be, and I think probably more often than not, it's the best thing for everybody. It's the best thing for the team they're leaving. It's the best thing for them. It's the best thing for the team they're going to. Then so there, there's a lot of positives that go along with the transfer portal. It's just that yeah, there's that negative connotation on players that that they. It looks as though if you're just looking at it from the outside, is that someone either doesn't want to follow through or they're they're not you know strong enough to to stick it out. And that's not always the case.
2: Yeah. Or what's wrong with the coach of that program? Right. <laughs> Which we heard a lot about that. The sky isn't falling, people. It's not yeah. falling. <laughs> <laughs> As the
0: iPad moves,
2: it's
3: P-Tech's
0: point of view with Emily P-Tech Clifford. Okay, we fooled around long enough. It's time to talk about Trivia Night. We got to talk about this cakewalk business, Emily. You talked a lot of game on this pod over the many years, and it's been a hot second since you've won the cakewalk. What are you doing this offseason to better prepare for Trivia Night 2024?
2: Do I need to be better than Tom Brady and know when it's time to walk away? (laughs) Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm disappointed with myself. I think um, since I've had Patrick, I have lost a little bit of my ability to scoot on in there. And y'all, there were massive human beings on this little tiny stage this year. There was a guy, he must have been an offensive lineman for somebody, but he was like a sequoia, like a redwood. He was big, <laughs> and I was right behind him. And I like survived through like maybe five or six of the stoppages, and then I can't remember. Was it Salt Alex Salter who got someone got me? I don't know who. But yeah, I was bumped pretty quick. And like the the thing is, guys, I think I'm the hunted, right? So whenever I go out, people are like, "Yeah, she's out." <laughs>
1: thanks yeah <laughs> it's
2: me versus everyone it's me versus 42 people up there and it sucks so i don't know if i want that anymore
1: <laughs> oh no we,
0: we can't have we can't be talking retirement. Well, you already referenced brady just pull yeah. up brady and be like ha ah, just kidding i'm not just retiring yeah i don't know what you're right. about. i
2: never said that i'm just re- reassessing and you know i might start going to some fitness classes with my husband so maybe that can help
0: there you go. What, what was, you know, other than cakewalk disappointment um, that your overall takeaway from trivia night, we have all said behind the scenes, all of us, uh, a, a part of the program that this might've been the most successful one we've ever had, like by far. Uh, what do you think as somebody who was attending?
2: I've been there like every time, every year. Um, I think it definitely was the most profitable for the club, for the, for the softball team, which is amazing. Um I want to shout out Jade and Spencer. I know she was definitely involved with it. Um, There were some other people behind the scenes as well. And they literally put on a great show because they want to raise as much money for this team as possible. There were new games. Um, Everywhere you looked. you could have a chance to like buy something, which is pretty cool. Gray, you went over to the beverage stand for a little bit. Did you not see me running over to be like, I'm coming, Gray? (laughs) No, I
1: missed that.
2: I was screaming at you and you did not hear me or see me because I was like, you were like, hey, pay 110 bucks and drink with me at the bar. I
0: I totally, I did not see you. I was like, why is nobody moving? I guess, Uh, okay, my bad.
2: It it was me in the corner and Faith was like, wow, Pete, you're getting it. I was like, Former soccer girl, I guess.
1: <laughs> oh, poor um, Faith Hensley, the oh, butt of many a joke. Yes, I, I hope I hope Faith enjoyed that we were heckling her the entire night. Has everybody turned in their card, Faith?
2: <laughs> Yo, we had some people had a lot of fun in our table, so it wasn't okay. Faith's fault. Okay, <laughs> um, but I will say that was one of the most. It's always one. It's always my favorite night of the year, except for national championship winning nights for Mm -hmm. Alabama softball and you get you strip back kind of this you know layer that when Murph has to present himself or even when Montana is in front of cameras like it's so personal and you get to know the players and there's inside jokes now that people will know like first pitches like we know what that was about but to see Murph get up there and sell his program and people respond with their wallets was awesome to me. Um, and it kind of is a great table setter for the excitement level going into the season because 400 and I don't know how many people were there. There were a lot, but 400,
1: 420 cause they were, Forty-two tables of ten apiece.
2: Yeah, but with all the workers. So let's say sure. 450, 460 yeah. people. Like <laughs> they left, they left that very stark, dark and stormy night just like jazzed to see these girls and this team do well. Because and like, I mean, I only see people at trivia night. that are in a table, and they were like, "We should really get together more often." I'm like, "We should, but let's always have trivia." You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> let's not forget about it. But it's a great event. Um, I think more people should do something like that and engage their, engage their fans, engage their alumni. The alumni table that was present this year was awesome. Um, Listening to Haley McClenney talk and give the intro speech was really, really cool. Um, And it, it just proves to you how many people really care about Alabama softball aside from the wins and losses.
1: I want to say that was the first time I've seen Haley in person since she's left Alabama. Uh, like I actually had a chance to talk to her and see her and and just it, it was like it was 2015 all over again yeah like as soon as soon as as soon as we saw each other and talked for a little while it was awesome and and that's just kind of what you know you're it kind of reinforced the once you're a part of bama you once you're part of the family you're always a part of it and and you can just pick up right where you left off whether it's been you know five days or five years and that and that uh,
2: but it, it also and it all starts with murph like you got somebody who's been there from day one of the program. He literally knows the first and last names of every person there. Yeah. You know, and and I think it's something we can't lose sight of. Um, it's same with Sabin. We have really good coaches at Alabama. And if you've never been a student athlete, it's not about wins and losses. And let's just love the people we got. And if people talk crap about them or anybody on the team, I'm going to get you.
0: I think that is a beautiful sentiment to to wrap up Pete's point of view, because I, I agree with everything that you've said. Uh, I am very excited about this season, not just for Alabama, but for everybody. But I think in particular, we could see something special. And that fires me up considering we are three days as we record from essentially we, we would have just started the Georgia Southern game. So softball is like basically here. And I'm so glad that we got to, to talk about it with you, Emily, as we rounded third here on the Out of the Box podcast. Emily P. Tech, thank you for hopping on with us. It's it's truly always a blast when you're on. Something crazy always happens like a magic iPad, and maybe next year you'll come back <laughs> and, and record it live with us in the studio, who knows?
2: Yeah, Brian's out of town, I'm in, for sure.
0: Okay, on the books, we know when you'll be back, season <laughs> six for here. Emily P. Tech Clifford, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Roll Tide. I uh, I I love Emily's point of view, or I guess I should say P-Tech's point of view, since that is literally the name of the segment. Right, it's by the way. Yeah, five years ago. Right. Uh, thanks to Emily for hopping on as as uh, we conclude the process of rounding third here on the season five premiere. You know, I my favorite part about talking to Emily every year, Tom, is I feel like our conversation just naturally goes into something that covers just the bigger aspects of sports. Mm. Last year, we talked about the disparity between women's sports and and some of the NCAA reports that have come out. And this year, I love what she was saying about the specialization of sports for these young kids. That's something that a lot of people are talking about all the time nowadays.
1: Yeah, because it, like I was saying, it, it does lead to there being more elite players that are available for all these D1 programs to have. But at the same time, it could also lead to maybe kids being more quick to jump ship or yeah. maybe kids being more apt to burn out because they, that's, you know, they all, all they've been doing since they were 10 years old. Uh, but I, I think probably the better approach is like what Emily was talking about, you know, just go out and just play in the backyard. Be just, a kid. Just yeah, be a kid. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> I miss it. Yes. I, I try to do it today. <laughs> 42 years old.
0: Uh story time with Tom will come another <laughs> time because I think it's time we have some podcast fun, Tom. Are you ready to uh, head home? Yeah, oh my gosh. What will we say? Who to be offended? <laughs> Stay tuned! <laughs> when we come back, we'll head home. Landminer gold mines, SEC preseason polls, off the wall, even a Super Bowl pick or two. That's next year on the Out of the Box Podcast. we have made references to lengthy movies so thank you for tuning in to out of the box the way of water it's time to head home gray robertson tom canterbury tom how are you do you remember seeing your family two weeks ago when we started recording this (laughs) episode
1: yes i feel as though you know we're heading home i feel as though we got the stop sign from the third base coach and we just ran right through it basically We're we're barreling on home normally in a regular episode i will
0: recap what we've done just, we need to just move on. Just, they're you. in the
1: show notes. But we thank everyone for listening and hanging out with us and we know you probably broke it up into several several days. It's fine. Or I've heard a lot of people say, you know, this is when I'm traveling people have to travel or something to yeah. their to their opening weekend gauntlet of whatever they're doing, travel ball, things like that is what they listen to and we appreciate that.
0: We do. Yes. And sometimes people might go back to certain segments and see if what we said was right or wrong.
1: And I, typically that segment comes in the heading home portion yeah, of the show. Yes. And I mean, I wish people wouldn't do that to see how wrong I am most of the time, but I brief but thank you anyway. Before we dive into mm. one of those segments, though, I do yes. want to
0: highlight that Tom's Hungry will be back this year. Oh, of course. As expected. The road trips are Clearwater, Florida, Austin, Texas. I've never been to
1: Austin, so I, I haven't either. Yeah. So excited. Been yeah, to Texas millions of times, never Austin. And as we go through all these, if this is if any of the places that we mention are one of your normal haunts, if you're there as a listener and you have recommendations on where you think we should go for Tom's hungry, shoot us a DM. Let's Please. Yes. Because this is our
0: first chance to do this cycle of conference games as well with the podcast. With right. 2020, we didn't get a road trip in. Right. So it's our first time talking about. You know, food on the pod in Knoxville, Columbia, Missouri, Starkville, Mississippi, Little Dewey's, we're coming mm. and Oxford. What a what a season it will be of Tom's hungry. So again, if you have recommendations, tweet us at out of the box underscore pod. Okay, here we go. It's time for Lamb mine or Gold Mine. Mm. Our bold predictions for the year. Will we find treasure or will we blow up? Like in the movie All Quiet on the Western Front that came out this Ooh, year. Yes. it's Who who knows what's going to happen. I have a feeling the mustard gas will be plentiful. Or it was
1: last year, unfortunately.
0: Gray was 0 for 3. I'm not even going to read them. They were all so wrong. <laughs> they were very not correct. Tom was half for 3. <laughs> Point 0.5 for 3. <laughs> because your prediction, word for word, was four of the eight Women's College World Series teams will not have hosted Supers. It was five. So if you'd oh. said at least four, oh. yes. So see, linguistics wow. yeah, and verbiage. Me.
1: Yes. Are you ready to make some picks this year? Do you want to go first, or do you want me to? I guess I'll go first because you're going to go first on the top of the thirteen right. teams, right? Let's do it. We do it that way. Okay. uh So we usually do an Alabama specific one, an SEC specific one, and then an overall sport one, more or less. Yes. Yeah. Just, right. So my first one is uh montana fouts is going to win conference play a uh, pitcher of the year and she will win conference pitcher of the year and i'll say it, she wins national pitcher of the year okay and fca does do that award i wish usa
0: softball did that as well they you just know, do a player right? yeah, yeah they just do a player if we could create separate there yeah. that would be great I obviously don't hate this. She is the best <laughs> pitcher in the league rolling in. I could yes. almost
1: argue this isn't even really a bold prediction. Not that bold. But but there are a lot of other good pitchers. There so are. Things are going to have to kind of fall Alabama's way for this to happen.
0: Yeah. My first one is Ashley Prangy will lead Alabama in home runs. Uh, she did not last year. I'm just going to say she is based on what I've seen in this fall and that's not necessarily saying you know wow i I can already hear the naysayers oh you mean she's gonna have eight and everybody else is gonna have seven no i i think she's going to like legitimately lead the team in home runs i I think you're gonna see more pop in general from this team Mm -hmm. and i think Prangy's gonna lead the charge okay i like it number two
1: for utah uh number two for me is going to be the team that wins the sec regular season championship will not be the highest-seeded SEC team in the NCAA tournament.
0: Ooh, I love that. Mm. Okay, that also, my mind is spinning because I'm thinking (laughs) of your poll. Um, Okay, interesting. You know, so regular season is, I guess, the important caveat there, and we think back to 2019, uh, you know, that's an
1: example there. With the most important game in the history of SEC softball, which was the SEC tournament championship game
0: that year. Right. Uh, You know, there have been examples of this in, you know, the pretty Mm -hmm. recent past.
1: And I think that this also will kind of spotlight what I think is going to be an issue moving forward in the conference scheduling, that whoever wins the conference is going to be based based more on who you don't play in the regular Mm. season than who you do. And that's going to be amplified even more when two more teams are added in and we don't add any more conference games. All right, my number two. So like SEC freshman of the year last year
0: was a big old snoozer. You know, it was like you had like 12 people who could win it and nobody because they were playing all that well. It was like, who's who's done, like, enough to be SEC freshman of the year, which is Bree Ellis from Auburn, who had a good year, but she hit under 300 and won
1: a major conference award. Yes, that's not going to happen very often.
0: No, I I think this year, not quite bold, uh, it's going to be way more exciting to discuss. The bold part is, I think, somebody from Alabama or Arkansas wins it. You know, we talked about Courtney Diefel in this recruiting class. It's almost too big for somebody not to make an impact. Uh, Somebody from the Razorbacks will be in the race. And for Alabama like a might make a case. I mean, we could see, you know, it's hard for me to envision a slapper doing it, but Larissa Pruitt maybe. I mean, Abby Dukesher sure has has power if she can burst onto the scene and be a part of a lineup. Uh, I just think that the winner is coming from those two teams.
1: Okay, I like it. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> All right, your final Landminer yes. Goldmine. Uh, and this will go towards the uh, Women's College World Series and the NCAA tournament. We saw last year a just historic number of upsets crazy just uh, it was like the basketball tournament where after day number one you just threw your bracket out you were done with it and i did right yes <laughs> uh we saw having after there had never been a super regional between two unseated teams we had two last year so just the upsets were everywhere so you're thinking so this year we're looking to it there's gonna it's just it's gonna be impossible to predict what's gonna happen I think we go more chalk this year. I think this year, 15 out of the 16 seeded teams make Super Regionals.
0: Wow. We really are throwing back to
1: 2019. Yes.
0: That's like exactly what happened. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which I think will make it harder for the Oklahomas and UCLA's of the world hmm. to just run rough shot through if they actually have to play the toughest teams in the tournament moving moving through. I'm not going to say whether I agree
0: with you or not, because I I, I want to see some games first. That's why it's a bold prediction. That's right. Uh, I I do think that this is pro. you know, I mean, Oklahoma is a favorite, yada, yada. We know this. Uh, I think that the window of teams that I think can actually legitimately win the national championship this year is a little bit smaller than normal. And, you know, usually I'm like, oh, there are eight or nine teams that I could see make a run this year. It might be five or six. And... I think that kind of lends to what you're saying. I don't think we're going to see as many top-end upsets. What will that mean, you know, in the 13, 14, 15? We'll find out.
1: Right. Now, yeah, that one upset, though, we don't know
0: where that's going to happen. My third one is a little convoluted, so stay with me.
2: Okay,
0: all right. The ACC will have have equal or the same number of teams in OKC as the SEC, and both teams will have more than the Pac-12. So my thoughts on the Pac-12 are this, I think the league is going to be pretty good this year as a whole. I think it's as deep, as I said to Jen, as it's ever been. I think because of that, uh, there is an elite team in UCLA and then a lot of teams I think are good. You're going to see a lot of Pac-12 teams, when they're seated be regional hosts, but not hosting supers. And I think, you know, UCLA will probably be top five. Like I can just go ahead and predict that right now. Okay. Um, I think UCLA will be the only Pac-12 team in the World Series. I think the ACC is good enough this year where they could get three teams in, where the SEC gets three. I think, you know, Florida State and Clemson to me are teams that I I would put in right now for the World Series. And, you know, I see a world where the SEC... Choose itself up so much, only two teams make it. Or last year, we saw only one make it. Right. So I think this is more of a, a commentary about the ACC rising to the level of the SEC in terms of the eliteness of its top teams. And I think the Pac-12, while being very deep, does not have teams of an elite nature quite like the SEC or the ACC this year. Those are the landmines or gold mines I, I, I like what we have. I feel like we've got a good possible hit rate here.
1: Yes. We went more while still bold. I think we, we choked up on the bat a little bit more to, to get it in play. We shortened up just a <laughs> bit.
0: I'm not out here like, here's the national championship and I'm right. Don't question me. Right. No, none uh, of that. No, we've calmed down just a bit.
1: It's the moment you've all been waiting for. I, I like that we didn't let our uh, uh, respective fan clubs uh cloud our judgment too much on our land and gold mines this year that's true i think that's what happened to me last year unfortunately
0: well you know it happens we all we all fall down but why do we fall tom yeah so we can get back up that's right yes the batman begins <sighs> this is insane okay it's time for the moment you've all been waiting for sc preseason polls uh, this is an interesting year i've had five different polls that I wrote out that I averaged in together. I have gone about this as differently as I ever have. And I came up with a list that I am confident in, but also showcases how this year five or six teams honestly could win this league. Absolutely. And I'm first. We're of course in proper list making fashion going from 13 to one. Yes. My number 13 team is South Carolina. Please find a pitcher. Who can throw a complete game in conference play? If South Carolina can do that, like they, I think that they are going to make me look dumb. Um, until then, I, I got to put you put you where you've been the last few seasons, and I, I think that this is going to be, as we talked about earlier, an improved team in terms of ability, but not necessarily overall record. E- even the results, the games might be closer, but I just I still don't know if their overall record's going to be better in conference play. And right now, it's it, it's probably the pick I feel most confident in. I really hate to say that.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I put him in 13 as well, as did every other coach that that voted no. in the poll. So, I'm like, I, mean, I
0: don't want to be mean, but also literally, this, everybody has right. South Carolina yeah. last. I'm so sorry to our dear friend Bev and and Dog Staley and yes. the whole gang at South Carolina. You know, I would love to see this be incorrect.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry I was ahead of the curve and, and caught it before everybody else.
0: Trendsetter, Tom <laughs> Canterbury. So you got Sacramento 13. 13. Right. Yes. My number 12 is Texas A&M. Uh, again, you know, I think Trisha Ford is going to get this program in the right spot. Uh, I don't love, you know, the start to conference play at Arkansas, Georgia, at Kentucky, Tennessee. It's a pretty brutal first four weeks. You know, the pitching staff is going to be fine. I'm a little curious about the offensive firepower without Haley Lee. They're they're missing some bats. Uh, I I think a And going to make the tournament. I don't think they're going to finish
1: higher than 12th in the SEC. I also have them at 12. Okay. Uh, kind of the same same logic. Um, and I talked about when we previewed them a little while ago. I think they're going to be improved. I think they're going to win win some games and might have a little bit to say about who wins the overall conference. And I think they're going to be better and will be on a good trajectory moving forward. Uh, I just—it's going to be—it's hard for me to see them being that much improved record-wise. So, just a little peek behind the curtain before we get to number
0: eleven. My favorite part about this show every year is that when I do the rundown, I send Tom a blank one and then write out my pick So, yeah, we—we don't know what the other is picking. No idea.
1: Um, I'm not. One hundred percent sure what I'm picking as we're going through this. It's the beauty know. <laughs> of podcasting;
0: you just figure it out right. as we go yes. along.
1: Here on hour three of the season,
0: five premiere. <laughs> My number eleven is Mississippi State, and it's because of what we talked about earlier. There's just there's not a difference maker on that on that roster. There are a lot of good players, and I highlighted Chloe Malulu. I think they've got a decent pitching staff with Kenley Hawk and Aspen Wesley. I just don't know who's gonna who's gonna be that person that they turn to who's going to deliver at the plate who's the pitcher who's going to show up and show out uh, in the big moments in the ncaa tournament it was aspen wesley can she use that we'll see uh, I, I hate mississippi state being here i don't think that they're a bad team by any means it's just the way it fell i
1: had yeah. mississippi state at 11. this is the first time we're going to disagree i'm going to go with Ole miss at 11. Ooh, okay uh and but just like you, I don't like that they're at eleven. Yeah. Like I, I think they're they're better than that. Uh, I just think that's where their record's going to fall. I think they're going to be a team, obviously, going to make it make the NCAA tournament. They're going to be a really tough two seed for someone to have to deal with. But there's just a few too many question marks still for the rebels for me to get them much higher. Brutal road schedule. And just yeah, uh, I mean, schedule. do you see that? Read it, Tom. Uh, read <laughs> read the yes. ats there. Uh, they start off at Tennessee, then they're at Auburn uh at Missouri at Florida that is insane uh who did this yeah. <laughs> to Jamie and our uh, dear friend Finley tracks yes good and then they get to host Alabama to wrap things up
0: right my number 10 is Missouri um I don't again I don't like it <laughs> I I really hate the theme of this picks is you know these suck <laughs> but I, I, I need to see what their offense is going to look like. Like, I'm so uncomfortable with the notion of looking at Missouri and seeing a team that is dominated by their pitching. Not because I, I think their pitching is bad. I was very impressed with Jordan Weber and Lauren Krings, especially at the end of last year. But like every every time we have really broken down Missouri since we started this podcast, it's been, well, here's what the offense is going to be. And there haven't been question marks. And yes, they've got Jeff Cottrell coming in as the new hitting coach. How will he change that offense with so many new faces? I don't know. We'll find out, but I just have a ton of internal question marks and just a a, a shaky feeling about Missouri to the point where when I broke down the schedule, I
1: had them ten. Okay. Uh, I have Mississippi State at, at 10. a lot of the same reasons as you have them in that spot.
0: All right, so this is interesting. I'm gonna be curious who your number nine is, because we talked about the top four, I wonder if our bottom five are the same. My number nine is Ole Miss. Um, I moved them down. When I found out Savannah Diedrich was no longer on the roster, and if that was, like, some sort of IP error, please let me know. Maybe her page right. just disappeared.
1: Well, Who knows? Why did we get the 404? Yeah. Not found.
0: I, I don't love it when people disappear off rosters right before a season starts. Uh, With no,
1: no explanation. Yeah,
0: and, yeah. you know, we're not entitled to one, but it does draw questions uh, i still think that this is going to be a good old miss team how good i don't know that schedule sucks so yeah. we'll, we'll find out
1: uh a couple different spots but i have missouri at nine. okay yeah so we kind of kind of thinking the same uh, wavelength there on the bottom five interesting all right so are you ready to have some fun oh goodness here we go here is where it gets crazy in the sec
0: this is typically where we draw the biggest reactions from each other mm-hmm. so I'm gonna i'm gonna plant my flag my number eight is LSU. Is that too low? Maybe. I don't care. Here's my thought on LSU. I went back and I listened to every premiere that we've done. And every single year I have overvalued LSU. I have put them like three spots higher than they finish. Right. No more. Not going to do it. No more. Last year. I don't understand how last year happened. It's a good team that went two and Q away in regionals. It's nuts. Yeah. I, I don't get it. So LSU... I do not think, you know, they're a bad team at all. In fact, who knows? They could still host. Um, But I'm tired of being so wrong about LSU that I am undervaluing them and seeing how that happens. If, right. if this is a, a, a situation where I've overvalued LSU, then some interesting conversations are going to be had in, in Baton Rouge, because uh, if you finish eighth a year after you go 0-2 in regionals, that's that's almost inexcusable and anything lower would be would be brutal uh i am just planting my flag and saying lsu prove to me that you are better than i think you are this year
1: okay all right uh i don't have lsu today okay um that'd be hilarious (laughs) (laughs) no but uh speaking of being wrong though and undervaluing people i undervalued auburn last year Mm. like really badly i said they were going to finish last in the conference you did they did not no
0: South Carolina. Uh, yes,
1: they were much better than I thought, and I have them at eight right now, which I don't like because I want. I think that they're better than that. The, again, the theme of this league is there are better teams than where they're going to finish in, in the in the overall standings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Auburn has the capability of putting it together and finishing top five, top four in the league, maybe, uh, but because of what I have seen from them I'm putting them at eight because I'm still not sold on the health of their team if I was 100 sure that that Shelby Lowe was going to be healthy and it's going to be a one-two punch of That's true, and Lowe for all year I'd be like you'll put them in the top yeah. top five top six uh but now I'm going to put them at eight right now and I think but I think that they have the capability of being much better than that okay my number seven who's pitching oh, it's Kentucky oh, oh man uh, i feel that one in my heart sorry
0: rachel you know i love you let's do the pitch perfect pod tomorrow i am in i love the bats koala Koffel. it's great they lost some other offensive pieces so i'm i'm curious how well rounded the offense will be this year and this is the pitching staff that i you know again kind of excluding south carolina uh, that i feel like i know the least about and kind of trust the least yeah uh it's hard for me to put kentucky super high i would like to pinpoint their last four weeks in conference play tennessee arkansas at mississippi state and florida all at home kentucky will make a dent and help decide who wins this conference um they might be a 15 or 16 seed
1: who knows but I've got <laughs> that's, where use, that's where they usually yeah. slide in uh, if they make it but wow this is where i'm gonna make the biggest headlines i, I do believe Okay. With my number seven, Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the people might from this other fan base might come at me the same way. At number seven, Tennessee Lady Vols. Holy crap! Okay, this is good. This is phenomenal podcasting. <laughs> Go
0: ahead, please.
1: <laughs> Ashley Rogers. Okay, I'm not sure where the consistency is there. They're up, they're going to put up runs. Will they be able to stop anyone from putting up runs against them? we're relying on someone who has played in the Mac that that's her you know she she did really good in the Mac yeah she's outstanding but if if they're having to rely on her because Ashley Rogers isn't available for any significant portion of this SEC schedule then I think it's going to be hard for them to win series consistently they do have the up they you know they don't have the overall toughest schedule but they don't have an easy schedule either sure they they get Alabama at home, they're at LSU, and at Arkansas, uh, and they get to host Florida. But, you know, even even at home, those are tough series. I'm just not sold on the balls. Interesting. Now, they could be seventh, but only... And still be a top 16 right, seed. Still be a top 16 seed. They could be seventh and be two games out of second. Yeah. You know, there, there's going to be a log jam here at, some, at different spaces. But I think the health of Ashley Rogers could cost them or a game or two, which could knock them from being top four to top, top seven. Wonderful. So there <laughs> so we go. They're at number seven for me. Uh, all right, top half. Here we go. Sorry, Hunter, that's where I put it.
0: <laughs> My number six is Auburn. Uh, for, for a lot of what you talked about, um, you know, you're exactly right. Like Mickey Dean tells us that the injuries are, are good, that Shelby Lowe is healthy but he's telling us that sure. and and whether we buy that or not is whether we believe him. Uh, last year, we did not believe him when he told us about some of the stuff uh, this year. It sounds like you're, you're leaning towards believing, but not necessarily going all in. Uh, I'm going all in. I think Auburn is, is the surprise team of the league. Uh, I was frankly stunned where the coaches put them in the preseason poll. I, I fought for Auburn to be higher in the D one top 25 and I, I think I've always that, said,
1: Gray, you've been a big Auburn supporter.
0: I'm just trying to do my job. I'm just <laughs> trying to trying to properly evaluate right. college yes. softball. And uh, I, I think that this is an Auburn team that's going to make some noise this year to the point where Auburn, Alabama, P-Tech talked about it. Get some freaking tickets now if you still have a chance because that series is going to carry so much weight for so many reasons if I'm being biased here, Alabama fans need to pack it out because Auburn's going to come to play and they've got the talent to maybe create some upsetting results for Alabama fans that weekend if the tide messes
1: around. I'm, I'm in on Auburn. So, and just to reiterate, Friday, which the only, as of this recording, is the only game that still has tickets available. Yes. Is Montana fouls senior night. Yes. Saturday is a day as well as alabama hosting auburn yep and then sunday is is already sold out and yep. it's hopefully alabama looking to win the series of not sweet get your tickets <laughs> right the heck now people may be standing on university boulevard watching the game somehow like like looking over the bridge
0: <laughs> that's gonna be such a weekend
1: i we're we're gonna be together though. that's
0: gonna be like iconic gopro Oh, I hope anyway. I, yeah. I'm yeah. very well, excited. It's
1: going to be iconic one way or the other. Hopefully That's it's true. pretty positive, right?
0: <laughs> well, we've set
1: some videos to sad music before. <laughs> You're number six, Tom. Uh, I'm going to put LSU there. Okay. Uh, I have, I do have some questions about LSU, obviously, but I, I do see there's a lot of issues. They're going to have to find that consistency, which is what I've been saying for five years on this podcast. Yeah. So if they're able to do that, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I'm just
0: like begging them to prove me wrong right? Uh, in, in a good way.
1: You know yeah. um because
0: i think if we did like the the two four seven sports talent composite like lsu would probably be top three in terms of roster talent in this yeah. league uh where we have them eighth and
1: sixth that is is two long they miss florida yeah and, and during the regular season host georgia they host tennessee they open up the conference slate at south carolina mm-hmm. if they don't if they're not three no after that first weekend you kind of have to reevaluate
0: yeah Oh, what a fun show that will yes. be!
1: Right after March tenth through the twelfth. Mm-hmm. Top fives as as we're as we're recovering from Austin, hopefully. Oh boy, what could go wrong? No, in what south could by possibly, Southwest. What could possibly go wrong? Can't
0: wait to go watch Dungeons and Dragons. My number five <laughs> is Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Have I fallen into a trap? Possibly, maybe. Uh, I I think that I don't I don't know what I'm gonna get from Shanice Dels this year. I. I I, I need to see if she has truly uh, reformed herself enough to be different from the picture that we saw last year. Obviously, she has the capability. She freaking added a drop in one day out of the blue. Right. Um, it is really hard, though, for me not to look at Arkansas when you lose the SEC Player of the Year, multiple All Americans, and people who were the building blocks of your program to not see them take a step back. You know, when you lose that many crucial pieces, there are going to be growing pains. And. I think that the start of conference play is not the time for growing pains. You know, they've got A&M at home. They should win that series, if not sweep. Then at Alabama, Florida at home, and at Mississippi State, a place that is not easy to win, and then you've got Georgia at home. That that is a very difficult first five weeks of SEC play, and in particular, two through five. I've just, the way the math broke out, I had them at fifth.
1: Okay. I'm going to put Georgia at fifth. Interesting. I really like what they have offensively. Uh, still, we're, we're going to see what they have in the pitching circle. It, it kind of, at times, was really good last year, but looking for that consistency. If they're able to do that, I can see them obviously finishing higher than fifth. But I'm going to put them at five right now. Cautiously optimistic for them. Uh, I'm, not as, I'm not as all in on them as you are, but I, I can definitely see the positives. Am I? We'll see. I will see. All right. You got them higher than fifth. So That's I know that much. Math works in Tom's favor yet again. All right, my number
0: 4 and I just want to make a note. I did, you know, again my five polls. One of them was going through and writing results and not looking at anything else, like just going and figuring out records. Right. Yeah. Multiple times I had a four-way tie. Like honest to goodness a four-way tie. And I had to like Google the tiebreaker mechanisms to see <laughs> So, did you
1: get to a coin flip? Did you get that far?
0: No, okay. I did not call Commissioner Sankey and say, "Hey, can you swing by? I need your help." <laughs> I present that to say I think that this is like spandex on a sumo wrestler tight. Like it, it it is going to be close. My number 4 is Florida. Wow. Yeah. I mm. it's it's the pitching for me. You know, I, again, I feel like Florida to a lesser extent as we talked about earlier, is kind of kind of in the same vein as Texas. Like a lot of people are looking at Florida and saying, wow, this is a team that made the World Series last year and it's Florida. Of course, they're going to win the SEC this year. Sure. Where we forget that the pitching was merely fine more often than not last year. The offense was fine. Um, and, and then they lose Hannah Adams, who, yes, was hurt at the end of last year. But that's one of their offensive and defensive leaders. You know, I think that a lot of people are hearing the goodwill about florida next year and maybe putting a little bit of that stock into 2023 and that's typically not how it works right Uh, florida i'm just going to say it probably going to win the conference in 2024 that recruiting class is insane and they're going to bring back a lot of talent i'm not sure this is the year and the way it broke out i had the gators fourth okay i have kentucky fourth i didn't even realize you hadn't picked them yet okay so you are you are. Pointing to the enigmas and saying, yes. "I see you and I understand."
1: <laughs> For the second straight year, I am riding with the enigmas. Again, two of the best hitters in the entire conference. Yeah, back to back with Coughlin uh, and kowalik If just one of those pitchers, they don't have to be an ace. Just like be good. Just be be fine. Yeah, be dependable, and that someone that Rachel Austin can confidently put in in big situations, and then. Use the enigmaness to your advantage, especially when you're at Oklahoma. At Oklahoma, throw somebody for every time through the order, somebody new. Throw somebody else in there, and even in some conference games, it may come to the point where you're while you're doing that, make yourself you have the roster do it. If you're Kentucky, make yourself just annoying as crap to play. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to do that, you're going to get a lot of wins. And I think you're going to get enough to get to number four.
0: I like it. Yes. I would
1: love to see
0: a, a Kentucky team that is that is as good as, you know, these pieces are like Kayla Kowalik, Aaron Koffel, damn good players. This is Kayla Kowalik's final year. Yeah. She's
1: one of those. It would be a shame if we didn't see her in OKC kind of players. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and if you're able to get to the point where you're number four in the SEC, you're not sliding in as a possible host at 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. You're making an argument to be a top eight. My number three, the Georgia Bulldogs. Mm. Uh, again, all I, in. I
0: am pushing the chips. <laughs> uh, it was already a deep pitching staff. If they have improved whatsoever down the line, they're going to be a much more dangerous team. And, you know, outside of that two-week stretch at Arkansas at Florida, which is, which is tough, like, Yeah, no way around it. Mm-hmm. That is a hard two weeks. I really love their conference slate. No Alabama no tennessee those are two teams that have not appeared on my rankings yet mm-hmm. so that's important to miss them uh, i am i am a believer in the georgia bulldogs in 2023 and coach please come and join us for a watch of top gun maverick
1: anytime you like <laughs> anytime i've now seen the movie yes yes at number three i'm going to put the arkansas razorbacks
0: okay
1: uh again a lot of this is as i've mentioned several times this is giving Arkansas, the benefit of the doubt. They're the two-time defending conference champions. They have brought in the number one recruiting class in the nation. That They have proven that they should be talked about as a contender to win this conference each and every year. Uh, And I think they are at the number three slot.
0: Our top two. Here we go. Mm. Buckle in. Uh, My number two is Alabama. It's the first time I will not pick the Crimson Tide to win the SEC since ironically 2019 as we you know again continue the parallels with that very first episode that we ever did why i honestly think it's going to come down to that series at tennessee and i think you know again my number one is tennessee this is not a surprise if you're counting down <laughs> uh, i think if tennessee
1: wins my, that my, series, my number 17 by <laughs> yeah. the way yes
0: I think that that series is going to decide this conference. Uh, If Tennessee wins that series, then I feel even better about that pick. I think it's going to be a very good Alabama team that is going to be right there. And as I said, multiple times I cranked this out. It was a four-way tie. Uh, But via the tie-breaking mechanism that I had, I do have Alabama number two. So do I. Okay.
1: And it's because they don't play freaking Florida in the regular season.
0: Mm, I think that's a very fair point and bit of analysis.
1: That's a good, so again, if you're keeping track, I have Florida win the conference because of that. I think Alabama is a contender to win the national championship. And as you said, the last, last time both of us didn't pick Alabama to win was 2019 when they won the conference by four Right. Games. If I recall correctly, yes. you picked Tennessee and I picked Florida. Oh no, So again, the, the parallels is weird. <laughs> just continue to go along. So, you know, I I think Florida, just because of the offense that they have coming back, I think that's just that from looking at them without any games being played, I think objectively, you have to put them a little bit ahead of where Alabama is offensively. Pitching wise, I think Alabama, obviously, they have who I think is going to win the national pitcher of the year. If they played a regular season series, I think Alabama would probably win the series and win the conference. Since they don't, I think Florida is going to be able to squeak in and finish either half game or the same, and tiebreaker wise is going to going finish out on the right way of it. Which, if that makes Alabama even matter going into the postseason, good. I'm, so I'm, be it. I'm down with it. So again, my number one is
0: Tennessee. Um, you, you just broke down Florida's. Your number one. I would like to add a couple more points about
1: about the Lady Balls. Does Ashley Rogers have to be healthy for the majority of the conference schedule for Tennessee to win it? I don't think so. I think that this okay. offense is, I think that this
0: offense is good enough to, to get by with Larry Boutte and Kiki Malloy and Zeta Pooney And i like the additions that they've made. And I like the fact that they get Florida and Alabama at home. It's very good. I also, you know, another thing that we talked about in a past episode that I really, you know, see jumping off this schedule sheet that we've got, who are, who are these top five teams that we have discussed, Tom, you know, Florida, Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, they mm-hmm. all close the regular season on the road. Alabama's at Ole Miss, Arkansas at Missouri, Florida at Kentucky, Georgia at LSU. You know, not only like road games, but like tough places to play against good teams. Yeah. Tennessee's final series is South Carolina at home. Mm. That is a heck of a draw. Yeah. So even if Tennessee is a game or two out going into the last weekend, I still think
1: that the way it plays
0: out that they can that they can squeak it out. I, I love. The way that their schedule goes, especially with Florida and Arkansas right before they can maybe make up some ground if they're behind or even pull a little bit further ahead. I just I just think it plays out to where when the dust settles, Tennessee is number one. Do I think Tennessee is a championship contender nationally? I don't. Um, But I think that, again, the way I've done these pollings more often than not, it came out to Tennessee being my number one. And I'm sticking to my guns. I will average it out.
1: I'm interested to see where Tennessee finishes. <laughs> we we will have a Tennessee situation like Arkansas in the coaches poll, I think, where yeah, yeah they're, they're gonna, they they may get uh, yeah, fans. You see, game. this is yeah, what happens. This is how this is going to happen. This is how it, happens, is how it starts. yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Those are our preseason polls, uh, and so Tom, we we have we have really you know bared our souls to mm. the world, and and yet we still have more to discuss because people are still saying the dumb crap. And I think it's time, if you haven't heard it in a previous episode, for for people to hear the new audio drop that will be hitting those ears and the feed every time we go into one of your favorite segments. Roll the music. It's time for Off the Wall. Stop complaining when we win. You know, differentiating between facts and opinions, people. I've seen
1: enough to know that I've seen too much. The conspiracy heard round the Facebook. Get your tinfoil hats out. Let people enjoy things. First off, red pen, please. Please. I can't believe we're talking about it. It's so asinine. It's like I, I, I had a thesaurus out looking up ways to describe dumbassery. Don't send novels to the coaching staff. Parcicle. Absolutely ridiculous.
0: Oh, so many fun memories from off the walls of years past. I hate uh, this segment. Okay, <laughs> Tom, <laughs>
1: what is off the walls? we head into 2023? Several things. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, no, but I, I've seen people complaining about the caliber of competition Alabama is playing in the first weekend of the regular season. Okay. And again, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that you know, Alabama's playing the toughest slate.
0: Right. We're not in Tucson. No. Yeah.
1: Not in Tucson, not in Clearwater to start things off. But Clearwater is coming up next week. You know, if you look at it, this is just kind of a scheduling quirk, anomaly, if you will, that Alabama is hosting a tournament on the first weekend of the season. Uh, Alabama has two major, major tournaments there going on the road to play mm-hmm. in Clearwater and going on the road playing two true road games against Texas and two more in Austin. Uh, so you, you're you're going to get plenty of marquee games. You know, sometimes it you, you schedule who you can schedule when you can schedule.
0: Right. Sometimes teams randomly disappear right. from the schedule.
1: Yes. That there were there was another team that was going to be here this weekend. Yep. That is not. And and other
0: tournaments that were scheduled yes. this year.
1: So I mean, sometimes that happens. Uh, but the just as which is the general reason why we have this segment it's not the complaints always necessarily it's just the overall tone and the vitriol of the complaints that are just unnecessary yeah and you know lehigh won as we talked about when we talked about them earlier on this podcast they won the patriot league last year they won a game in regionals they're not a slouch team they're not oklahoma but Alabama's gonna have to play well to beat them uh and it will be on tv it will
0: all right so here we go
1: yes ready do it
0: I have at my disposal an interview with Megaronowitz, the head honcho of ESPN programming in terms of softball from the D1 Softball podcast. Mm -hmm. D1softball.com, what a website, check it out. And I have both a hard copy that I printed for literally no reason and a digital copy of the SEC television bylaws. I believe it's called the Broadcasting Handbook. So everything that we have said over the years about, about streaming, about the rules, about why Alabama can't just throw up an iPhone in Tucson, Arizona, I have bylaws right. that back up that and about, you know, why is an Alabama on TV? I have an interview with a person who decides that schedule explaining how it works. So if I see a single comment that falls under either of those umbrellas, I will be replying with an appropriate screenshot and or screen recording to give you an answer in a snappy way. So just be prepared, people. I look forward to it. Yes, I am so tired of it. It hasn't changed since the SEC Network started. Anything else? Hopefully not. That's a that's a great way to finish up the off the wall segment. Uh, A quick word. As this episode just somehow keeps going. Nothing nothing Uh, has been quick. What are you talking about? All right, uh, just very quickly, a Super Bowl pick. This weekend is the Super Bowl. Second year in a row we've done this. It's the Chiefs on one side. It's our boy Jalen Hurts and the Eagles on the other. Speaking of getting OU fans in our mentions, dear God, what is happening? I'm claiming him. He has
1: a degree (laughs) from the University of Alabama. I passed him in the halls once. Uh, the coach said you should go to this other team and play, and he <laughs> did. Both of us can can claim him, and I will claim him. He won numerous championships with Alabama and, got again, got a degree from the University of Alabama. So Alabama alum Jalen Hurts, along with Devontae Smith, mm-hmm. along with Landon Dickerson, will lead the Philadelphia Eagles to a championship for Stephanie Van Brakel-Brothero and all the other Eagles
0: fans. Oh, up. the real SVP is going to be thrown. Yeah, I guess the Eagles. I, I think they might actually win kind of handily congratulations our boy jalen hurts gonna be a super bowl champ go eagles fly Fly. eagles fly fly eagles fly yes Yes. i will not sing (laughs) but i might at some point this season who knows it's season five of the out of the box podcast this has been the premiere here's what's coming up this season we've got a show once a week they will primarily be released on Wednesday mornings after we record on Tuesday nights. There are a few where we've got midweeks on Tuesdays. So we're going to do them on Mondays around the D one softball podcast as well. It's going to be a or Valentine's day. That's right. For those of us that are married. Uh, not me. Um, but if anyone wants to help my Twitter is <laughs> at gray, G R A Y underscore Robertson. Swipe left or right. I don't know which one. <laughs> wow. It
1: is. I don't know who does. I don't know what any of that is. So be. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> this, thank you for listening to the final episode of the <laughs> Out of the Box Podcast. Uh, we'll have our on-the-road shows. We'll tweet more information about that in the near future. Before we give the socials, Tom. Where can the people listen? Alabama softball's back on the radio. Oh this my weekend. gosh, oh yeah. The yes. season
1: has begun. I was like, listen to the podcast? <laughs> no! To Alabama Softball the on the radio. The Crimson Tide Sports. I mean, there's Network. coverage? Yes. What? Every single game, every single pitch will be on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Some weeks it's just me, some weeks it's me, and Gray. And we will be there uh, back in Tuscaloosa on 97.5 FM. And uh, also you can get that online at uh, nick975.com and go to rolltide.com. There's a link for every game on the schedule page to live audio and that will have it for you there. Uh, their, web, their app is also available. And then once we get into April, we'll be on the varsity app as well
0: yeah you know a pair of wise podcast hosts once said just
1: push the button just push the button
0: just push the button that's
1: all you got to do and just a reminder you don't have to have ESPN plus correct to get the streaming you only have to have a cable provider that offers the SEC network if you have that you can stream SEC network plus exactly right just so just remember that but you can also listen to me
0: course, so many ways, <laughs> so to many different tune ways. Here be. are the
1: seventy-five reads that we have on right. radio. There may be a booth cam at some point this weekend. Ooh, yes. So uh, stay tuned for that. I'll pop up in the background. Yes. At some point, I need you and Tao to come over and get on in the booth cam. We can me. do that. Yes, absolutely. we can do that. I've already dropped my
0: Twitter uh, in a desperate plea for love (laughs) at gray gray underscore robertson so tom where can the people find you on twitter (laughs) t canterbury r-t-r-c-a-n-t-e-r-b-u-r-y on the twitter and of course follow the show at out of the box underscore pod we'll be tweeting all of the opening weekend content the sirens have been dusted off tom oh we'll be ready for the upsets
1: will we have some here on week one we might have some in two days wow who knows before we even get on the air the Twitter fingers are ready for whoever ends up sponsoring the scoreboard updates.
0: (laughs) One of the 90 (laughs) options we'll find out. Thank you to our guests, Jen Schroeder and Emily P. Clifford. Tom, this has been a premiere. Unlike any other premieres, I honestly, am not sure I've ever had as much fun podcasting as we have tonight. It is now time to start the season. Let's go. Team 27. Excited. Ready to roll. Thank you everybody for tuning in and braving the length of this season five premiere of the out of the box podcast. We're just getting started. Softball is back From my partner, Tom Canterbury. I'm Greg Robertson. Enjoy opening weekend. We'll see you next time on the out of the box podcast.